With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Rural health providers are raising alarms about a new vaccine mandate that will start as soon as next month. The Biden administration wants every person working in a healthcare setting, from hospitals to dialysis centers, to be fully vaccinated for COVID-19. But in rural areas where vaccination rates are low and hiring is already difficult, they're worried there could be staffing shortages. NPR White House correspondent Tamara Keith has more. Adam Willman was born in Goodall Witcher Hospital in Clifton, Texas. Now he's its CEO, and he's worried his rural hospital may have to stop delivering babies. This mandate goes through. There are key personnel. OB is a very critical point for us. Some of the experienced nurses in the obstetrics department aren't vaccinated, and Wilman says they don't intend to be. They are also near retirement age, and a few of them have already voiced that I will just retire. And then a couple other nurses said, well, I'll just go work for my husband's construction company. Wilman has been pushing hard to get all of his 250 employees to take one of the COVID vaccines. And he's gotten to about 70 percent vaccinated, well above the rate in the surrounding community. But it's still not enough. But we're kind of at that point where everybody that's willing to get it got it. That stagnation of vaccination rates in medical facilities all over the country is what drove the Biden administration to go for a mandate. Chiquita Brooks-Lashur is the administrator of the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. We did not undertake this decision lightly. Her agency is working on the details of a rule that will put the mandate in place. She knows some hospitals and nursing homes are worried it will cause staffing shortages. But she says health care workers who aren't vaccinated cause their own staffing challenges when they get sick or have to quarantine. And there's the matter of safety. And it's very clear from the data that staff who remain unvaccinated are affecting both Uh, the patients who are coming into the facilities, as well as their colleagues. Brooks Lashur says it may not end up being as bad as some people fear. She points to Maine, where the governor already put in a mandate. Even though there was a lot of noise around what these mandates mean, the actual number of healthcare workers who quit is very limited. In New Hampshire's rural Coas County, North Country Healthcare is out ahead of the forthcoming federal mandate. Our D-Day is October 23rd, and October 23rd, one way or another, our workforce will be 100% compliant with the vaccine. Tom Mee is CEO of the hospital system with about 1,000 employees. He says the decision was easy to make because it was the right thing to do, but difficult to implement, complete with hate mail. But it's working. A month ago, 78% of staff were vaccinated. Now it's 90%. When this is done, we'll be exiting a handful of employees from the system. That's inevitable. Some may quit. Others will be forced to leave. He's had to lay people off for financial reasons before, but never something like this. It's a scene that you're going to see repeated throughout the United States. And um, I've been in healthcare for 34 years. I've, I've never seen anything like this before. He expects to be able to shift staff around and keep serving patients as usual. 
But in many areas, there's not a deep bench of qualified people looking to get into healthcare, especially right now, says Alan Morgan, CEO of the National Rural Health Association. Even if it, it would impact only two to five percent of the hospital staff, that's going to create a service disruption. Are we going to have to uh, transfer existing patients? Are we going to have to put a halt on incoming patients? He's urging the Biden administration to come up with a plan to help with expected staff shortages once the mandate goes into effect. Something like surging in people from the U.S. Public Health Service or the National Guard or FEMA. He's been asking and so far hasn't gotten a reassuring response. Tamara Keith, NPR News. Metro Atlanta's school districts are facing a labor shortage. Most are offering financial incentives to boost hiring. Martha Dalton has the story. Districts are using federal stimulus money to offer things like higher pay and signing bonuses to bus drivers, substitute teachers, school nurses, and other workers. But will that fix the shortage in the long run? I think the answer is no. Joanna McFarland is the CEO and co-founder of Hop Skip Drive, an organization that tracks school bus issues. McFarland says bus drivers, for example, have to get commercial driver's licenses, and those certified drivers are in high demand. They can go drive for Amazon. They can go drive trucking, and they're going to make a lot more money and be able to work a lot more hours doing that. DeKalb County's bus driver shortage made the marching band at Shambly Charter High School nervous before a recent away game. Paula Emdy is the president of the band's booster board. We really honestly did not know if our buses were going to come until they pulled in. We had 56 kids in uniform. We had a U-Haul full of equipment ready to go and they showed up. MD is considering leasing a coach bus for an upcoming band competition. We're looking at paying anywhere from $1,500 to $3,000 to move the band that day. And it would cost a fraction of that if we had confidence we could get a DeKalb County bus. Daniel Dench is an assistant professor at Georgia Tech School of Economics. He says when workers were laid off during the pandemic but received benefits like enhanced unemployment, they realized how much they valued their life outside of work. It could be that in coming back to work, they find that the wages that they can pull are not high enough to compensate them for that. Dench says private sector wages have gone up, so workers have more options. To end the school shortage, he says... Districts need to offer more. I don't think there's a way around offering a better work experience or offering wage increases in the long run because the private sector wage increases are not going away. One benefit of that, he says, could be that higher private sector salaries will generate more tax revenue for schools. Martha Dalton. WABE News. They delivered meals and groceries during the height of the pandemic, putting their lives at risk. And most recently, some waded through floodwaters to make deliveries in the middle of a storm. Well, now all they're asking for is fair working conditions. And for years, delivery people have been calling for improved working conditions. Today, the city council voted yes to begin to regulate the industry. CBS 2's Natalie Dudrich has the details from Lower Manhattan. This is a really, really Great step and good step in our fight. A momentous day for delivery workers like Gustavo Ache. He says until now it's been tough to make ends meet as a courier. He says he gets paid per delivery, not per hour. Sometimes you have to be in the street for 12, 13 hours. And sometimes you don't make that much money, $50, $40, $60 all day. 
Couriers say on top of that, they face bad weather. During Hurricane Ida, New Yorkers saw images of delivery workers struggling through flood water, clutching packages. When it starts to rain and it's, and it's cold, and then they give you a lot of packages to deliver, and then you get there and people are like, no tip. I'm like, oh. This labor organization, Los Deliveristas Unidos, has been fighting to make app-based delivery companies more transparent to ensure tips actually get to workers. They've also pushed to set minimum pay, cap the distance couriers travel, and make sure they have bathroom access. Since the pandemic, some of the restaurants will not allow them to use the bathroom. This group's activism sparked lawmakers to create a package of six bills outlining basic working standards. This afternoon, the bills passed. New York City will now be the first city in the United States of America to protect delivery workers. We reached out to app-based delivery companies. Grubhub said it's the right thing to do, while DoorDash said their workers in Manhattan earn on average $33 per hour. The company expressed concern that the bill, which allows couriers to set travel parameters, could negatively impact those in underserved neighborhoods. We have more to do, but thank you so much. For these couriers, though, it's a major breakthrough. In Lower Manhattan, Natalie Dudridge, CBS 2 News. Well, Governor Newsom has just less than a month until October 10th to decide whether to sign a bill that softens production quotas for warehouse workers. AB 701 is widely seen as targeted at Amazon, which runs more than 60 warehouses across California. But that's not all, as KQED's Rachel Myro reports from our Silicon Valley desk. Behind Amazon's big yellow place your order button is a vast network of warehouses filled with close to a million logistics employees across the country, 40,000 in the Inland Empire alone. But if the tech-obsessed retailer is famous for using robots, sensors, and software to maximize productivity, it's also infamous for driving warehouse workers to the exit doors with repetitive stress injuries and, well, stress. How did you come up with this rate? Was it based on what your understanding of what the human body can do? Or is it based on what you think that you need to get through in order to make a profit this quarter? That's Shaharier Kazji, head of the Warehouse Worker Resource Center in Ontario. San Bernardino and Riverside counties together serve as the cargo throughput for much of America west of Chicago. Trucks and trains move what comes through the ports of L.A. and Long Beach to the Inland Empire, where imported goods are redistributed in warehouses onto long-haul trucks for transportation east. Amazon's rivals, like Walmart and Home Depot, are nipping at the tech titans' heels, eager to adopt its algorithmically driven strategies to maximize productivity. It's not that those companies can't afford to do the right thing. It's that they figured out what they can get away with. And if they're not held accountable, that's what they'll continue to do. Cosgy sees AB 701 as a compromise between union organizers and big business. Amazon declined to comment on the legislation, but a spokeswoman wrote the company abides by state and federal laws, including paid breaks and ready access to toilet facilities. What's sitting on Governor Newsom's desk would prohibit the kinds of company policies like ever-shifting production quotas or time-off task penalties that psychologically pressure workers to forego their state-mandated breaks or wait till their shift is over to use the bathroom. The problem with existing law is that, I mean, in general, in California and nationwide, is that it, it just hasn't 
kept up with the state of technological change. Beth Gatelius is research director at the University of Illinois at Chicago's Center for Urban Economic Development. She takes particular interest in the way the bill, the first of its kind in the nation, requires warehouse operators to disclose quotas and work speed metrics to employees and government agencies. Right now, we just it's kind of a black box. And I think the case of Amazon offers us pretty ample evidence that we can't just rely on companies to weigh these costs and benefits and act in the interest of workers. Someone else has to do that. And that is traditionally what government's role has been. The question above and beyond whether the governor signs AB 701 is how committed California regulators are to that oversight role. With more than 200,000 people in the state working in warehouses, it's not a small question. For the California Report, I'm Rachel Myro. I'm Muriel Wilkins, and this is Coaching Real Leaders, part of the HBR Presents Network. I'm a longtime executive coach who works with highly successful leaders who've hit a bump in the road. My job is to help them get over that bump by clarifying their goals and figuring out a way to reach them. I typically work with clients over the course of several months, but on this show, we have a one-time coaching meeting focusing on a specific leadership challenge they're facing. Today's guest, who we'll call Diane to retain her confidentiality, is an experienced leader heading up a nonprofit organization as its executive director. She's intensely mission-driven, and over the span of her career, she's worked really hard to infuse her organization with a culture of inclusion. And she now faces a common problem, feeling caught in the middle between the person she reports to and those she leads. Where I'm incredibly challenged right now is that because I've built an organization where everybody's voice counts and everybody needs to sort of speak their mind and is encouraged to share how they're feeling and, you know, what they're experiencing, we're currently in this like very uncomfortable position where my team is having issues with the founder who is a very, very wealthy white man. So Diane identifies as a white woman and has a longstanding commitment to being an anti-racist leader. And here she finds herself caught in the middle between her staff and her boss with the added complexity of racial and power dynamics that exist between the founder, a wealthy older white male philanthropist, and her team, who are younger people of color. All at a time of rising racial tensions that are too explicit to ignore, and are playing out in every workplace across the country. It's very challenging. And as somebody who's always considered herself, you know, very, very good at navigating this particular challenge, I am struggling right now with how to get them to all feel safe talking to one another so that we can move our organization forward. Because this right now feels like we're just, we're weighing ourselves down. We have to build a healthier team and we have to have a team that is communicating with one another and not through me as the middle person. I wanted to dive in with Diane and help her work through this web of interpersonal dynamics and move closer to what she envisions for her organization. She shared how a sense of purpose and a desire to do the right thing had always been a guiding force in her career. And the issue now is how does she do the right thing in leading her organization through these differences rather than stay stuck in the middle? So let's get started as we pick up the coaching conversation at the point where Diane shares her view of what's been happening. 
I generally consider myself somebody who is very driven and has a strong moral compass and a very strong sense of what is right and what is wrong. And I've always relied on that and trusted that and trusted that, you know, you could pretty much flash anything in front of me and it's not going to distract me from that moral grounding and from what I truly feel is good and bad and right and wrong. Mm-hmm. And I just generally have a sense of myself that I, I can do anything that I decide to do. And that if I just devote all of my energy and efforts to it, I'm not going to fail myself and I'm not going to fail in the job. Mm-hmm. Why don't you share a bit around, you know, as succinctly as you can, what the challenges that you're facing? So the challenges in my current role are around staff interactions and around my role in a leadership position as a white woman leading a team of people of color and reporting to a white man. And I am challenged in bridging the gap in those interactions between the folks that report to me and the folks that I report to, especially in that we're serving a community that is almost exclusively black and brown. All right. So, so I feel like I'm entering the rim of a party here. (laughs) (laughs) And let me just make sure I understand all the characters that are here. So we've got you, white woman, brought up using your words, kind of in a privileged, upper middle class white town, right? Yes. We have the person you report to, white male. And then we have your staff, and it sounds like it's a diverse, but people of color, primarily. Yes. And then we have your constituents, the people who you serve, who are people of color. Correct. Is that right? That's correct. All right. So I get it. Sounds like a great party to go to. (laughs) Okay. So share with me a bit around what does that look like every day? What are the dynamics that occur? Speaking specifically about the dynamics on my team, I pride myself on making sure that I have an inclusive team and that I have created an environment where we can talk to one another openly and honestly about anything and especially around topics having to do with race. Mm -hmm. And while I thought I was doing a lot of good in initiating and having those conversations, what has ended up happening is that My staff are having the conversations with me, but they're not willing to have the conversations with my boss. Mm -hmm. And my boss does and says things on occasion, unintentionally, that are microaggressions or otherwise make my staff feel very uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And what happens when that happens is that my staff bring them to me and I am sort of that central hub where everything lands. And it is then my responsibility to bring them to my boss, but my staff doesn't want to talk directly to my boss. Mm -hmm. So just help illustrate what's happening here. Like if I was a fly on the wall and they come and talk to you or call you, what, what are they coming to you with? Yeah. So my boss has a way of talking to people that can be highly directive and it can sound 
sort of like, this is exactly what I want to hear you write in this email. And he'll dictate the email to you. And he'll do that to me. He'll do that to my staff. The difference is that when he does it to my staff, instead of feeling like I do, which is the sense of, I'm not your administrative assistant. I am the leader mm -hmm. of this organization. Their feeling is, I'm not your slave. And mm -hmm. that's, those are the words that they bring to me. I am not your slave. Mm -hmm. You hired me to do a job in this organization. And that job is not to be your typist. Yeah. When that happened, what was your reaction? So my first instinct was to commiserate and to say sort of exactly what I just said, which is, I know that that feels yucky and I don't even have the added layer of race built into it. It feels yucky to me when it happens. I know that I am of higher value to the organization than to be so highly directed. And I understand why it feels yucky to you. And what I initially did with my team was I said, I'm going to talk to him about it. I have talked to him about it, about myself, and I'm going to continue talking to him about it. And the more that I did that, the more they came to me, essentially after every meeting we have that includes the whole team within another complaint. Mm -hmm. So now we're at the point where I don't think this is healthy. I need everybody to try to talk to one another but I'm also not going to put staff in a position where they don't feel safe. Mm -hmm. And what does that mean to not feel safe? That's a good question. It's language we use all the time in social work, right? Sure do. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I, I think where they, they feel like there could be repercussions, there could be vulnerabilities exposed for themselves that they're not comfortable exposing, where they feel like, by virtue of having that conversation, it is going to do them emotional harm. That's, that's my interpretation of what not feeling safe means. Have you asked that? I have not. So one thing you might want to explore is asking them what it means to feel safe. But if you don't understand the lens through which they look at it, there's no way you can help coach them to a certain action. You, there's no way you can even imagine what kind of conversations they can have or how to process through this with them. So part of it is understanding this word safety, which is so important, as you said, it's used so often, you're using it, you value it for your staff, and yet you're interpreting it from your vantage point, which is a very different vantage point than they have. Let's start with what does it even mean to be safe, which is another way of saying, like, what are the conditions that would need to be in place? for them to be able to have this type of conversation. Yeah. If they were to have it, which we don't know yet. You know, the question that I have for you in terms of the dynamic that's laid out right now is how do you contribute to this? What's your part in this dynamic? If I am in high stress mode, I am less likely to be sensitive to the things that my staff are sensitive to. So I'm less likely to notice microaggressions. I am more likely to do microaggressions. And I'm grateful to my staff when they point that out to me. I know that I've created an environment where they feel safe pointing that out to me in mm -hmm. my own life and my own work. But I also have guilt about not noticing them when I am in a higher stress situation and not being able to see it in the moment and asking them to have to come back to me to show me. 
And so what does that guilt look like? It looks like that is something that I am proud of. It's something that is in my identity. When I think of who I am and the work that I do, this is like a huge component of it. Being an anti-racist leader, making sure that everyone has a voice and that everyone's voice is heard. I take a lot of responsibility in a way that I probably shouldn't be taking responsibility. As the white person in the room, it's not my job to control who has the microphone. It's my job to sort of Mm -hmm. shut up and step back so that people can take the microphone. And yet Mm -hmm. as the leader and a person who is in power by virtue, not only of my whiteness, but my role, I do control who has the microphone. Obviously I have no control over how anybody feels, but I, I do get to either validate and create space for conversations like this, or I get to say, shut up and focus on the work. Let's take a moment to recap what's going on here. At this point, Diane has shifted her focus from what her boss and her team are doing and is starting to unpack what role she plays in this dynamic. She describes feeling squeezed. Should she push her staff to speak up or does she let them be? Should she take control of the conversation or does she pass the mic to others? Should she shoulder the responsibility to address these issues on her own or does she share it? And it's not uncommon to go back and forth between these kinds of extremes and leadership dilemmas because we can see clear pros and cons of both sides. The key is to find the balance. And to help Diane do that, it would be helpful to explore what success would look like in this situation that she finds herself in. So let me ask you a question. What do you want? Like, what would success look like for you? Success for me would look like a team that talks to one another and that there isn't a direct line of communication through me. It would look like a team that feels comfortable and can have a meeting together that doesn't have sub-meetings afterward, that doesn't have a litany of complaints that come after every team meeting. And, and in the same vein, given the dynamic that you laid out, what does your, how do you think your team defines success? So I think that if we asked my boss, he would say everybody is doing their job. I think he would be very focused on sort of everybody knows their responsibility. They're doing their job so that every cog in the in the system is performing at 100% capacity and we're producing. I think that if you asked my staff, they would say feeling like they could do their job well and have the resources to do their job well. And I think that they would like the team to be as I described it, as I want it. I think that my staff would very much like to feel empowered in the conversations that we have as a whole team. Another dynamic that comes up when we're meeting as a team is that I get overprotective of my staff and I jump in and step on their toes because I'm afraid of consequences coming down on them. So somebody on my team might start a thought or start a suggestion And I will literally interrupt and take it because I'm, I want the heat on me. I don't want it on them. And I also think that that does not feel good to them. Mm -hmm. And when you do that, who does that help? I don't think it helps anyone. It helps. It gives me a sense of control that comforts me. It gives me a sense of efficiency. And I do it because in the moment I'm trying to help them, but I, 
I don't know how clear that is to them. And I also don't know how productive that is to us as a unit. I mean, it's really interesting to me because you um, talked a little earlier on about feeling squeezed, right? Um, Feeling kind of sandwiched in between all these parties or primarily between your boss and the, your, your staff, your team. And yet it feels like it serves a certain purpose for you. I think you're absolutely right that part of it is that I put myself in the position to be the middleman and to be the, the person sandwiched in between. I just generally think I can take more than other people. And I, I don't say that to sound arrogant. I don't like I, I just I'd rather things be on my shoulders than be on other people's shoulders. It's part of my character. I do it in my personal relationships. I do it at work. I do it all the time. And, you know, in trying to protect my team in those environments, I'm creating a situation where their voice doesn't get heard. So in a way, you are working against that thing that you want, which is this, these direct line of communications, right? And look, I mean, maybe that is what they want you to do, but we don't know. That's the whole mystery right now. So I think a big piece of this is you checking in with them and meeting them where they are. What success looks like for them, what outcomes they'd like to achieve so that then you can determine, all right, so if that's the case, what can I do? It doesn't mean, you know, absolving from your role as leader and saying, oh, well, I'm just going to fully empower you. You do it with it. Like, we're not talking about that, but there's some middle ground. And right now it feels like you're either all in, I'm going to run interference, I'm going to protect, I'm going to save the day. And the other side of it is to do nothing. There's some area in between, depending on the situation. Yeah, that feels very true. Like that, that sits with me as being something that just feels like you, you nailed it. Like I, it's good to be a buffer when a buffer is necessary. And it's harmful to be a buffer when a buffer is not necessary. I think I'm, I'm working against exactly like you said, I'm working against what I actually want. So let's take a step back here. Diane is now starting to see that when it comes to that stuck in the middle feeling, she actually has options. With that realization, she can start taking ownership for how she has reinforced this behavior at times to the detriment of the culture that she's trying to build. Now she can start focusing on what it is that's within her control and help move the organization to more alignment between individuals instead of just trying to manage the differences between people. Highfalutin hogwash. Highfalutin hogwash. Context of white supremacy. Gusty Renegade in for another broadcast, hopefully to share constructive information on the system of white supremacy. Today's date, Friday, September 24, 2021. So I have been told this is our weekly neutralizing workplace racism. Uh, Again, not for spectators. Not for spectators. Way too much happening uh, in the area of labor, in your work environment, uh, for folks to not have observations, questions, suggestions. Hopefully not too many problems, but certainly always open uh, to try to share counter-racist logic suggestions uh, to try to solve problems without creating 
new problems. Always the metric. Uh, the number is 720-716-7300. The code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. Number again, 720-716-7300. The code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. Uh, the email untiljustice at gmail.com until justice at gmail.com drop a line if you have commentary to share question or scenario uh, or if you have concerns about being uh, identified want some anonymity to share your thoughts for workplace racism until justice at gmail.com before we get to some of the folks who dialed in called in uh, just briefly uh, on some of the clips that we heard at the beginning uh, they talked about some of the rural health care workers. Uh, they are concerned about being short staffed uh, because of the Rona vaccine mandates. Uh, and apparently a number of white staff members saying, hey, I'm not doing it. I think, as they said, some other folks came to the same, uh, same conclusion that, hey, at this point, this vaccine has been available for almost a year now. About the better part of about eight, nine months or so. Hey, most of the folks who are going to get it, they probably already have gotten it by now. I don't think it's too many folks who are so-called on the fence or whatever it is. Like, I think at this point, the people who are going to get it, for the most part, have gotten it. The folks who are obstinate at this point, probably not going to change their mind. Maybe you can twist an elbow or two. We shall see. But the folks, healthcare workers, there's some concern in thinking, ooh. I don't know if we're going to be able to control enough of these folks to go ahead and get that jab. Sound like some of these folks are saying, oh, well, I will be submitting my retirement papers, which I'd heard before. Or I have a white network. I can go get a job with some other white people who will not have all these goofy requirements. Thank you kindly and peace. Lots and lots of white people. I have not seen any really that I can think of any black people who have come out and taken that sort of stance like, hey, take this job and shove it type of a thing, and I don't care. I'm not doing it. Like, not at all. Lots and white people like all over the world who've taken that sort of stance. Same thing with the bus drivers and saying, wow, and that bus driver shortage has been across the country, so-called. They've had reports in Chicago or Illinois. Yep, it was Chicago. Lots of other areas where it's the same thing, like they furloughed or laid people off when all this started March of 2020 and now it's back in and those folks are saying, you know what? I am not going to bust around these grubby children and all their unvaccinated selves and get their cooties and or how much are they paying me to do this? I'm good. I got to be vaccinated now. I'm good. Lots of different and they say, Hey, competition. How much are you going to pay me to do this? I can go work for Amazon. Drivers are in huge demand. There's so many things where they've talked about shortages where they've said quite a bit of it is drivers not having enough folks who are willing to get out there and log those miles. Robots, I guess, the animated vehicles and flying cars and all that didn't get here fast enough. Anyway, so that's at least two 
uh, where they're talking about potential staffing shortages because people are not doing this Rona and or other things related to COVID-19. Lots of that. Uh, And then they had two separate reports where they were talking about efforts to improve worker conditions for drivers specifically same car we have lots of folks uh, who participate in neutralizing workplace racism who do driving uh, some folks even looking to do that uh, for themselves being self-employed uh, to do their driving and or other folks who are employed to do that uh, and all that entails uh, safety even some of the folks who you know done some ride share and that sort of thing where you have people in your vehicle lots of safety measures needed there so we heard two separate reports uh, one in uh, the New York area, uh, new bills for workers' safety and giving them a little bit more control uh, over their work environment so they don't have to be worked like slaves. Uh, and then even a little pushback like, oh, this could make, you know, staffing shortages could make things more difficult in some areas. And they said for uh, underserved areas might be non areas where non-white people are warehoused, allowed to stay, that type of a thing, maybe. In California, not with drivers, but with productivity. Uh, they said Gavin Newsom just signed legislation uh, where they have to acknowledge if they have some sort of metrics for productivity. What was the language they used? Time off task. Meaning you get penalized. They have some sort of productivity standards. And if you're horsing around, you got to go to the bathroom or take a smoke break or call to check on your children. Like, oh, might be a penalty. Like, all oh, that has to be. Uh, disclosed Uh, and I think they even said putting limits on some of those types of quota systems if we want to call them that Uh, we've had folks who talked about that before in fact uh, there were lots of reports on that I believe at the beginning of last year when everything with COVID began in the U.S. uh, they were saying there was you know such an explosion in online ordering and what have you uh, that all that in the warehouse where you have people and robots uh, that it was creating unsafe conditions because you have these metrics got to get all this stuff boxed and packaged and shipped off and boom boom people need that toilet paper Uh, and people were falling trying to climb you know ladders and what have you to get uh, certain parcels and all the rest of it that that was creating really unsafe conditions uh, and unhealthy conditions uh, not just people falling. I think even some of the folks talked about where they could see that, man, somebody is going to get seriously injured, you know, having to do all this and trying to go, you know, as rapidly as you possibly can. Like this is going to be rife for injury. And I think they've had a lot of investigations reports that have talked about that. We've had folks who worked at uh, Amazon who participated in workplace racism. who said the same thing. So no surprise there. Safety in the workplace. Now, uh, Harvard Business Review, HBR cast. I've said for uh, years at this point, every time I hear their reports, and they have quite a few of them now, their reports where they talk about racism in any way, I feel substantially better about myself. Not that I am, you know, doing anything legendary with regards to counter-racism, white supremacy, uh, might not be moving towards solving the problem at all. Racism is still here, so hey, that could be. But man, when I hear HBR cast and their suggestions or ideas number one that last segment i kept getting confused a little bit i had to remember like they're talking to it's a white woman talking to another white woman this is not a black female who is in charge at this nonprofit, even though they have mostly non-white workers it seems and a non-white clientele this is a white woman diane and they even anonymity to protect her name isn't that standard in the system white supremacy whether they're 
white mob of lynchers, uh, whether it's a white enforcement officer who is accused of killing a black person, anonymity. Don't want to just be putting their name out, you know, in public like that and tarring them as being a racist. Uh, they go through this report, and I mean, even that now, this is a nonprofit, right? Tax free and all the other benefits that you get for being 501c3 or whatever their status is. Like, ooh, nonprofit. Okay, but the founder is a white man and the executive director is a white woman. And then most of the underling slaves are non-white people and they service slaves, non-white people. This is one of those where they can go and take a picture. Most of the people who are affiliated with this organization, staff and patrons are non-white. So they can take a picture and cram it with all kinds of dark people. And then you might see one, maybe two white faces in there and they will be the most powerful people in the room standard operating procedure and particularly for businesses nonprofits that are set up as though a non-white or non-white people run this organization and or this is for non-white people white people still in charge that would be the case even if everybody was non-white but most of the time when you really start to investigate who is the person who has the most power it is a white woman and or a white man so Diane, if that's her name, calls in, oh yeah, we've got this here nonprofit and the non-white workers, uh, they come to me, they don't feel comfortable, safe, empowered to go speak directly to the white male founder. Why, why would that be? Would you think they're afraid that, that he might fire them or something if they come to report that they're being treated like slaves? Hmm. Uh, that they the the white founder who set up this nonprofit to serve non-white people, allegedly brown and black people, gag. Um, he set this up to serve them, but then he treats the non-white staff as though they're slaves, according to their testimony. Hmm. That's white commitment to ending racism, white supremacy. We don't even. I don't even need to hear how the patrons. Uh, the clients are being treated the staff say that they feel like slaves and we didn't even get to hear from them directly so who knows they might have had a whole lot more to share than just you know uh, being dictated about how they're going dictated to about how they're going to write these emails up and even that I didn't have enough information is this he is like dictating an email that he wants sent out to someone or is this is this a style thing in terms of the way that he wants emails written like I didn't even get enough data to do that uh, beyond all of that uh, it should be about solving problems like what specific pro like I felt the the tackiness in the very beginning the white woman who hosts this segment for Harvard Business Review their podcast uh, where she's using all these metaphors like well can you explain the characters and so then the, non, the white woman Diane says yeah well I'm a white woman and the person in charge is a white man and then we have non-white staff and then non-white clients okay I gotta 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 and the white woman host says oh, okay this sounds like such a great party again letting me know you're not serious about this at all we're not talking about a party this is not some end of summer jamboree we're talking about racism, white supremacy being practiced in the workplace. 
We're just trying to get an assessment. Who are the folks here? Racial classifications. Okay, got it. Let's try to solve a problem, not let me see how many goofy, unfunny jokes I can make on the way. Then she used the metaphor. She says, uh, explain it to me like I'm a fly on the wall in trying to get some of the data. Unless I am mistaken about the metaphor, we'll hear about that tomorrow. A fly on the wall does not need anything explained. The fly can hear it all. It would just be explain it to me. I'm not the fly on the wall. Just explain it to me so I know what some of the problems are. Not being serious. Uh, Diane says, I am an anti-racist leader. I would need to hear from her non-white staff if they think she is a so-called anti-racist leader. And even to explain, what does that mean? What does a so-called anti-racist leader do that no other individual classified as white does? And where's the evidence that you do this on a regular basis? Whatever that means. Like, I would need all that explain how do you even have a so-called anti-racist leader when the system of white supremacy is still going strong uh, vibrant they continue they don't even explain everything that's happening like she just says that they complain this is one context where i say she didn't say that they were making reports of mistreatment and abuse unsafe work conditions she said they complained They have these meetings. I'm treated like a slave. And then they have to have sub meetings because they don't feel safe talking to the white founder. These are not complaints. These are reports. Unsafe work conditions. It could be since safety came up and or reports of white supremacy, racism being practiced by the white founder. Now, I thought it was important because I've been saying, hey, safety is the word for the year, especially for the workplace safety. I said that is a concept. No such thing as safety in a system of white supremacy. She explains, well, what is safety? What would that look like in this workplace? That's another one I'd prefer to hear from the non-white people. I think one would be, hey, I can articulate. I can report when incorrect things are happening without fear of repercussion apparently diane doesn't even feel that way because she couldn't even identify herself we don't know if diane's her name he said that specifically hey I'm, I'm trying to keep some anonymity here you are a white woman so i have no idea what would make the non-white people feel safe uh, unless they could address things in a serious manner uh, immediately or soon thereafter and get things resolved uh, as I said without fear that I'm going to be fired or demoted or blocked from getting you know raises and that sort of thing uh, in the future um, when she was describing the way the white male founder thought of the organization and what success would be for the organization that's another one that has to be defined she said that the white male founder his thought or perspective on what success would be is that everyone knows their jobs, everyone knows their responsibility, and they're carrying them out as a cog in the machine. I said, ooh, that is language from Ralph Ellison, Invisible Man. Not person particularly here because all of the so-called cogs are non-white people except Diane, so-called. The cogs, the non-persons, the man-not, woman-not, non-persons at Ralph Ellison that language is all throughout invisible man no name no personhood at all I'm just you know some sort of device 
an instrument for the white man and white woman's creations. Uh, let's see. And then even uh, Diane, she continues and she's talking about herself. She's well, how, what? how do you, you know, play a role in all this? How are you enabling all of this? So well, I just think I can take on more than other people. I just I'd rather take the heat. Now, she didn't say when the non-white people speak up to report that they're being mistreated or even complain. She said when they are presenting a thought or an idea, she'll step in and take over to take the heat from them. Now, I've heard that exactly in the context of white people stealing ideas from non-white people, not. Oh, I just didn't want you to take any of the heat or get into any trouble with the white man. Oh, boss, old master, I didn't want you to get in trouble. That's not the context that I hear. And she did. Like I said, she didn't even say that. She didn't say that I step in when they're about to make a complaint. But what she said before, they're afraid to do that. They have sub meetings. That's what she said. So I think she could have been even telling on herself at other dimensions of the white supremacy racism that are practiced there where it's, hey, the non-white people speak up to present ideas, give their own thoughts, and she leaps in and takes over. That is cliche. I mean, that is stale, tacky illustration of white supremacy racism for centuries. Old Diane, anti-racist leader. Whatever that means. Anywho, number again is 720-716-7300. The code 564 nine four three pound press star six one if you would like to participate again not for spectators uh, if you have figured out some things that work well that would keep some non-white workers safe in their work environment uh, some things that would help them deal with all the uh, COVID-19 restrictions and rules and the vaccine mandates and all the rest of it share and or observations on what is happening in your work environment or white people quitting or they laying down the mandate what is going on that would be uh good to know just and because there's so much variance by region uh, i know here in seattle uh that they had a mandate for state employees that has been paused uh there was uh such upheaval they uh, one of the reports that i read today 600 plaintiffs uh have filed a suit against the governor of washington state uh, Governor Jay Inslee, white man, uh, around the vaccine mandate, uh, which was supposed to go in effect for state employees uh, in the middle of October. That has been ex- extended to December uh, because there's been such uh, upheaval uh, about the mandate. So they've kicked it down the road, as they say, I think two months, three months or so, two months from when it's supposed to go into effect. So let us know exactly what is happening in your part of the plantation around the vaccine and all that as well. Uh, let us see. Get to some of the folks who dialed in with a hand up. Mm-hmm. May I be heard? Yes, sir. Good evening to the uh, host, Gus, and the callers and listeners. Uh, I wanted to um, make a comment on the last story. I didn't get to hear uh, most of the um, the material that you had put together, but the last a uh, piece of material was surrounding a person who I suppose is a, a white uh, woman who is in charge of a group of employees who seems to uh, take over for the uh, non-white employees when they're speaking. One of the things that I've noticed is that white people um, in many work environments 
view us as childlike. And when they feel that we are not adequately expressing ourselves, they feel that they are, or the sense that I've, uh, what I've been explained is that they didn't want to have us embarrass ourselves. So they took over in uh, speaking for us. And I feel that that is an illustration of how white people view us. And I'm thinking that in, mo- in many cases, there are uh, non-white people who may be even older than the white person who uh, is speaking for these non-white people. And no matter how old you are, you are considered still a child to white people, even if they are younger than you are. And uh, I wanted to report on uh, two reports. The first report is um, in taking my uh, children to school, I, they don't have, I'll explain it this way. They have the children uh, meet in the courtyards, uh, in the playgrounds, uh, so that they can have social distancing and uh, the parents can drop the children off in uh, nicer weather. So as I was taking my youngest child to his uh, designated drop-off location, the white woman who was in charge of bringing the children in, they actually have it cordoned off by a gate so that the parents cannot enter into the schoolyard to, I um, guess, keep the staff and the children more safe. So the white woman who uh, is in charge of that particular area, as I was dropping off my youngest child to his uh, grade, told me to, okay, move along. As I was attempting to say goodbye to my child. And then when I proceeded to tell him to come back and give me a hug, then she had some uh, very mealy mouth response. Oh, I love to see that. I love to see when uh, the uh, dads uh, say goodbye and give a hug to their children. Loud enough for me to hear as if I'm supposed to be uh, uh, feeling better about my being proud that a white woman acknowledged my uh, parenthood with my child. Um, the other report I have is regarding the, um, I do driving in New York, uh, ride share driving. And one of the clients that I have is a, a uh, doctor's office, which transports its employees to and from their homes. Um, and in this occasion, I was uh, picking up two employees from their homes in Staten Island. And when they began to converse on the way to drop them off at their designated uh, drop-off points, they were talking about their fellow employees. It was gossip. I wouldn't uh, bother to report. However, one of the pieces of conversation that they had was regarding one of the employees who is a uh, nurse. Uh, She is apparently, according to them, unvaccinated. And she, instead of um, staying at home, she goes to a clinic and gives out COVID shots. And they were, I guess, expressing their... uh, their indignation 
the fact that she herself is not vaccinated, but she is uh, giving people COVID shots. Um, and uh, one of the things that I am uh, glad for my um, uh, recording device in my vehicle is that I can record those uh, conversations. It was a very sh- short conversation, and I don't know if that employee was uh, white or if that po- employee was non-white. I suspect that that employee is a white person, uh, but I again, I don't know. Uh, but when they are uh, talking about the uh, um, their fellow employee uh, not having a uh, COVID shot, but give out, um, but give other people the COVID shots. I was just thinking to myself, how do they know that that employee does is not vaccinated unless that employee has expressly said to them that I am uh, unvaccinated. I don't believe in the uh, in accepting the uh, COVID shot, but that just goes to, I guess, illustrate that there are some medical professionals who are, are healthy or somewhat healthy and who are not advocates for receiving the COVID shots themselves. And also uh, sharing information with your coworkers is probably not beneficial in regard to your health status that can be definitely become um, uh, material to uh, have uh, for gossip. And that's all I have to share for now. Thank you for listening. Much obliged, sir. Um, it was one of our listeners dialed in maybe a month or maybe a couple months ago now. Uh, but he said, hey, the policy for the workplace is no discussing the vaccine, your vaccination status, anybody else's vaccination status, what you think about it. None of that is conversation fit for the workplace and just to make it succinct I don't discuss vaccine status in the workplace thank you kindly say it with a smile whatever however you want to you know figure out the wording or what have you but the end point no chit chat about this for about a billion different reasons that would be a great one right there they're sitting around that's the new scuttlebutt for the office ooh wee not even vaccinated and out there incidentally that is widespread like super widespread throughout this whole mess uh healthcare workers not i just played the report he said it's not for you sir i know you didn't hear but i mean that was one that i played at the beginning uh where they said healthcare workers uh rural so-called healthcare workers i think that's code for like white people appalachia type thing hey i'm out of here i'm not getting the vaccine whatever that has been super widespread throughout all of this. Like, and they've had reports on that. Like, why are the healthcare workers and what? Why are you all not doing it? I don't trust it, or whatever their reasons. Like Nurse Rivers, whatever their rationale is. Anyway, no chatting about the vaccine in the workplace. Sitting around gossiping. That's the hallmark of the workplace. All that vile gossip, gossiping, then even gossiping out in public with the uh, rideshare workers as well, so they can hear about who you all are talking about and talking bad talking down about let's see the uh the dropping your child off like just the tackiness all the way around talked about school being workplace 
uh, for a long time as well. But uh, moving along, moving along. Uh, that's another one where just in any environment, workplace and beyond, white people do not see black people as anything but don't even see us as people. Particularly do not see us as women, men, adults, aunt, children, all the way. Moving along, moving along. Get on out of here, Negro. Then you go, and that's a great plan to ignore. And then you go to hug your offspring, have a great day. You know, we got these race soldiers, like, oof, talk to you about racism. You see that? Go to give him a hug. And she's, oh, I just love to see that. Oh, the tackiness, the ta- like, how's it in one set? Moving on. Get on out of here. It's, oh, I just love to see that. Get those old involved dads. Now, that's when I'd even be thinking that. Do you say that when a white man comes up here and drops his child off? That's what you say? Hmm. Hmm. The uh, and that's another one. He said the idea theft. That's why I said it didn't sound like this was her trying to be. You know, I'm jumping in. I'm putting on my cape. I'm jumping in to save the niggers in the workplace. And no, no, no. I'm going to take those bullets. But that's not what it sounded like. This sounded like just the typical. You know, shut up, nigger. I'll just take it from here. If this is a good idea, it was mine. They they just overheard that and got that from me. What I was saying was, and such and such and such and such, and just totally steal it. But that's, you know, standard operating procedure. What I would expect from a white man. May I add one more thing? Oh, yes, sir. Oh, I just wanted to add uh, just to uh, uh, correspond to what you've been talking about in terms of safety. One of the uh, pieces of codified language that I've begun to add uh, to the way I speak is I don't believe that that's the safest thing to do and to say it in a serious way, but not in a, uh, an aggressive manner. And I get less pushback and I'm attempting to incorporate the word safety and it has been uh, effective in avoiding any conflict in the business of doing rideshare. That's all I wanted to add. Thank you. Spectacular. For anybody that does like uh, driving, if you're by yourself, if you drive and you have a coworker who's with you, uh, if you do any rideshare, anything like that, you have to have a really specific code to maintain your safety for lots of different reasons. It would depend on, you know, which aspect of that you're doing, but that requires uh, a very like, job specific code uh, to just because there's so many obstacles that you will deal with uh, when you're out and about driving around driving other people all that having to go on their property uh, that you just wouldn't have to deal with in a typical office scenario so yes safety and using the word safety <laughs> so that's word of the year uh, bringing up racism on the job can cause problems saying that someone is practicing racism or I'm doing this as a counter racist exercise or whatever it is but saying that I don't believe that is a safe practice or that seems like an unsafe course of action Ooh. saying it's serious you know that's one that you don't have to say it like a gangster and a thug no just I don't think that's an unsafe practice or I don't think that's a safe practice that seems like an unsafe course of action that is different. In fact, that immediately, like, oh, wait a minute, are we doing something unsafe? Like I said, in most workplaces, really in all workplaces, I wouldn't care what it is. If it's a bar, a brothel, doesn't matter what it is, 
safety, even for the brothel to operate. We got to be safe. Much more difficult for people to push back and get rowdy when you're just raising safety concerns in the workplace. That is being a responsible employee, isn't it? Love it, love it, love it, love it. Uh, Let me see. I'll read in one email and then I'll get some of the other folks who dialed in. Uh, This person requested assistance, so we'll all have our listening caps on. Let's see. The. uh, uh, All right. She says. uh, I shouldn't say that because I'm not sure. I think this is a female victim of racism. Uh, greetings, Gus. I'm a fairly new listener to your broadcast and love the constructive information you and the callers provide each week. I'm writing for help on how to decline lunch invitations at work. Here's my story. <clears throat> this week, yesterday to be exact, my manager scheduled a staff meeting up brunch for next Friday. Because of the high COVID cases in my area, I'm in Florida. That's Ron DeSantis land 2024. You better not wear a mask in school. Talk to me about some vaccine mandate. This is Florida and my fear of catching COVID. I haven't been inside of a restaurant since the start of the pandemic. Bravo. I've been saying before the Rona, we should not be eating out and going to restaurants. That is like a whole separate field of white supremacy racism in terms of how non-white people are abused, particularly black people and eating out. You have no idea what they put in your ketchup, your food, your fries, whatever else you're eating, your baked potato. No eating out. So if the Rona has decreased that for black people, bravo. And getting Grubhub and Uber Eats doesn't count. Continuing. Not been inside a restaurant since the start of the pandemic. Woohoo! I advised my manager of this and told her that if it was fine with her, I would like to sit this one out. She said the meeting wasn't mandatory, but she wants to take the team out since we haven't been out together in a while. I proceeded to tell her no, but she kept insisting I attend. She then called all the she then called the other ladies on the team. I'm the only non-white person into her office. They were all fine with going and being and began providing alternative ideas so we could all eat together. That's like 16 people like man. I haven't rolled that deep in like it's been a minute and would not want to be around that many people uh, that I don't know and all the rest, particularly in Florida. Like, come on. Let's see. Uh, da, da, da. The problem is I don't want to sit and eat near them. Amen. I told them I was slightly uncomfortable with their suggestions and that they should go and enjoy themselves. My manager pleaded with me and then asked if she could at least bring me something back. I told her, no, she didn't have to do that. She continued to beg. So I stated, if you just want to feed me, buy me a gift card and I will get food, get the food myself and eat at home. She then started laughing and asked if I eat. My manager coughs all day and never washes her hands after using the restroom. So I don't want her anywhere near food. I have to eat. <sighs> Man. Why, why is the gift card like if I'm really about it, I really want to get you some unless it's I see some value in us sitting together and eating together and paying for it. No, nah, I'm good. 
Uh, now, I will say, I have said this before, and I think some other users, uh, listeners, have used this technique beautifully. <clears throat> if it's a situation where they're insisting, it's almost, you know, like I said, Guantanamo Bay, get my 9-11 references in. They're ready to force feed you. They got the tube out and everything. If it gets to that point, oh, you want to bring me a plate? Sure thing. And they can bring you whatever. Now, unless it gets into one of those things where they're going to uh, watch you eat it, I would just take it and put it in the refrigerator or whatever. And then as soon as they turn around or whatever, bingo, going in the trash can. Or you could even, if you want to really, to make sure that they don't see, oh, you threw it out or whatever, take it to your vehicle. And then you stop to get gas or whatever. The first time uh, you stop, bang, you throw it in the receptacle and that's that. That one can work well. And it, oh, it was awesome. Mm-hmm. It was great. Thank you so much for looking out for me. Mm-hmm. And just move on. But just put it in the trash and, you know, ixnay on all of that. Continuing. Some time passed and she continued to plan this brunch. I told her I was still uncomfortable. They all laughed. What's funny about that? So I asked if they knew anyone who has died from COVID because I know several people and the idea of eating in a room full of unmasked people scares me. My manager rolled her eyes and said, yes, my dad died from COVID last year. What does it mean to be white? Dead father, COVID-19. We're still doing the brunch. I knew this, but I forgot it in that moment. I apologize, but maintained my decision. They were quiet for a while and seemed confused about my concern. I guess my questions are, did I go about this in the correct manner? How do I get out of it? And what are some suggestions for responding to situations like this in the future? Thanks again for your broadcast, and I appreciate any and all suggestions female that's what i thought listener from florida lots of folks down in the florida area man uh flipping ron DeSantis. um that i mean to have the governor who has been so staunchly against all this and opposition to masks or yeah opposition to masks and opposition to mandates and just in my opinion doing not that i support mask or mandates not that i support vaccine mandates but just a lot of behavior that to me does not look like someone who's taking this very seriously. Anywho, my view, uh, I would not do it like I'm, you know, pretty opposed to all this eating out and all this fraternizing under normal circumstances to be down in Florida with all this going on. Like, nah, I am not going to be able to do it. It would just be no, like I'm not participating. I think just being uh, staunch about that from the beginning that I'm just not eating out currently. My family and I are not eating out. I'm not doing anything, weddings, baby showers, nothing like that. I'm just really concerned about what's happening right now and, and being an old cautious one, you know, can say I, I got a streak of the yellow in me or cowardly or whatever. I'm going to be cautious on this one until things have calmed down a bit. And a part of my caution, whole family's caution is not eating out right now so you all will have to miss me on this one have a grand time and like i said you can even say sure you want to bring me back some sure and it'll be going in the trash promptly but i think just being sticking to your guns on that being staunch it i wouldn't even you know get into a whole lot of details just hey my family and i are taking it safe i have children i have family to be concerned about 
Uh, and yeah, we just that's a part of our code right now. You don't, code or no? That's a part of our code right now. We're just taking it serious and not eating out. Just too much, too much of a chance, and just don't want to deal with all that. Thank you kindly. Have a good time. That would be that. I asked some of the folks online uh, about this in advance, and they said decline. I think we got unanimous decline, 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 and be specific about your pandemic-related concerns. Uh, <laughs> Claim you started a restrictive diet. No vinegar, oils, sugar, yeast. Only eat a hearty breakfast and dinner. Never lunch. Love it. That's good, too. I like that, too. I never eat lunch. Got diet restrictions going into the fall. Don't want to get that winter weight gain. Uh, give them the non-committal. See you there. Don't show up. And then when they ask what happened, tell them you got lazy, but we'll catch them on the next one. No one said they would go. I wouldn't go. Either. Hell, I mean, you got to weigh some things like health. Like, really? To go out and sit with 16 people. And that's a lot of people, too. Like, if it was like one or two people, I might think about it. But if it's going to be me and 15 white women, shh, I am good. You all can catch me with the doggy bag. I'll have my garbage bag ready. Uh, let's see. We have other folks who dialed in. If either you have your own thoughts. <clears throat> Indoor, you have a uh, commentary, your suggestion for how you would neutralize the uh, brunch invitation in Florida, Sunshine State. Uh, other folks who dialed in with a hand up, feel free. Hello. Greetings, uh, our female caller in Georgia. Yes, ma'am. Hi, thank you so much for taking my call. Again, I hope everyone's having the best evening they can have. Um, for the um, the young the female who called, who um emailed, I would um I would, since the manager or boss whatever said it was optional, I would email him and write email her in writing and say, you know, thank you, you know, for trying for doing your best to include me. You said it was optional. I opt to not attend. There's so much confusion about what's safe and what's not. I just like the previous Caller said, for my safety, I don't believe it would be safe for me and my family to participate in this event. And I would do it in writing because if, because this sounds like a lot of talking back and forth. I don't know if anything was in writing, but put that, you said it was optional. And then let them, let the boss email back, email you back, it's optional or it's not. If it's not optional, then, you know, some of the other courses of action, you know, doggy bag, whatever. I will wear a mask and a face mask. I mean, they, I would, you know, my safety is very important to me. Um, and as, so is the call, the, um, the person who emailed their safety is, of course, important to them. So I would, if I had to go, that's how I would show up. You know, they, you know, I would look into getting policy manual. Because if you're doing this over and over, and I'm telling you I'm not coming, you're harassing me. You said it was optional. You keep telling, asking me, I told you I wasn't coming. I feel unsafe. You want to put me in a safe environment. I'm looking up OSHA. I'm not telling them that, but I'm looking up OSHA, EEOC. Because you're not going to make me feel unsafe. You know, it's not that serious. It's lunch. I'm going to go. Um, but, yeah. Get something in writing verifying that this is an optional event. Because if it's optional, then you clearly state, thank you for the invitation. I opt not to attend this event. Thank you. 
that's the first thing because I didn't hear about anything in writing. That's the first thing I would do. And of course, as we always say, look at the policy and procedure because again, this repeated asking and especially the laughing about the safe. No, you're not going to laugh about my safety again. That is a that's borderline harassment. Um, I don't, and you don't have to say, you know, I'm black in this, you know, and these trying times, I don't believe, you know, laughing at others' discomfort is building morale. Is that the goal of the company? You know, I want to do what's best for the company. I want to have come in and have a positive attitude, do my work. And I, I don't know if laughing at someone's fear is the best thing to do at work. You know, you know, again, with this thing in the question lane, asking about that. So those are the things that I would do. Get it in writing that it's optional and then ask questions, mainly. And again, mainly as it relates to the policy and procedure. And then I want to thank people again for commenting and helping me last week. Um, I think I said earlier, I think most people know I have a seasonal job with taxes. Um, it lasts a bit longer this season. Um, and so they've you know, to get ready for the upcoming season. They've called me back. I'm supposed to just talk to someone on Tuesday. That's when I set the appointment for. You know, as I told my mother, as long as you don't, you go, you do the best you can, you don't suck, you know, so to speak. They usually seem to hire you back. So I hope to be hired back in my third year in a row. So, you know, I did okay. I know because they go over your numbers every day. So if they were bad, you know, they I wouldn't I would have known they would have told me do this, that and the other and the third. Um, so I applied for a different position there, but you know, if I don't get that, the position I had was fine and I don't mind doing that again. So that's my report and thank you. Hello. Thank you. Have a great oh, week. Right on. Right on. Congratulations. <laughs> Congratulations. Like uh, doing that. That doesn't happen, you know, all the time. Lots of non-white people go in and do competent work and do not get rehired or promoted or what have you. But, hey, do the best that you can. Try to learn as much as you can and try and do competent work. Most non-white people, most black people, when given a chance, that's what they do. Bravo got brought back again as she said you know if you were horsing around doing some silliness they would not have rehired you so bravo try to learn some more and yeah do some networking love it love it love it um as for the suggestions uh for the caller i love the uh just doing the email uh and hey you you know per the brunch uh you informed us that this was not mandatory Uh, I'm just not going to be able to attend safety. So important for my family and things are so confusing right now. Just not going to take any risks in writing and then asking questions, you know, making sure this is uh, uh, this is optional. We don't have to be there. Just make sure that that's confirmed. Check policy and procedure. Love it. And then laughing, right? Snicker at her for for raising safety concerns. That tells you a lot about the folks that she were they sound like the uh the click members at the courthouse in florida might be some of their relatives or what have you to sit around and snicker at her 
concerned about safety. <laughs> now, generally speaking, that should never happen in the workplace. Somebody raises a safety concern, and that's <laughs> got this nigga talking about safety. What? That should never happen, like, for anything, even if it's, man, can we get a sign? You know, the floor is wet. Somebody might fall right here. <laughs> Nigga, we're talking about safety. What's funny about that? Question lane, too. Love that. But, I mean, yeah, that lets you know. That would be another reason, incidentally. Like, I do not want to hang out with them at all. Like, what's funny? <laughs> They're sitting around cackling. Like, does that promote a healthy work environment, non-toxic work environment we all feel great about ourselves and comfortable to come in and get work done snickering at me over safety issues <sighs> white culture what does it mean to be white I definitely feel welcome and down to go eat with you all now if you've cackled at me uh, let's see other folks who dialed in if you have your own situation and or uh, suggestions uh, for this uh, brunching invite Can I be heard? Bay Area mom. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Thanks for taking my call. My call. Look, single. And greetings to everyone participating in the program. Uh, oh, so, yeah, I thought that was rude, too, jerks. Oh, excuse me. I'm calling. I'm still learning. Um, yeah, what's so funny, right? Because you're black and you look at us like the little crate challengers and we're the non-vaxxers or whatever, the, uh, the poster child for non-health. I just thought that was jerky. And I, for me, I wouldn't, the same way they would be if you were treating them like that and it was just a whole bunch of black people or non-white people inviting someone to lunch and a white person would say, oh, no, I, Corona outside. Oh, she's not safe. That's what I would do. No. And then that's it. That's final. Because if she were white, we wouldn't be having this discussion. It would be over. And they would understand she'd have a host of gift cards. And so all you have to do is, if you want to do it in email, that was a good suggestion. Or uh, your last no, the no that you said before. And if they ask you again, no, I don't want to eat with you. You're filthy. You don't wash your hands. If you don't care about me feeling concerned about my safety, you don't care about my food. You're going to be sitting there watching. I, no, thank you. I just would give them the same no that a white person would give if it was an invite from black people and they said no. No. So that's just me. I don't know if she wants to be a little softer. or You don't have to be soft because you're the joke. Just no, period. It's not mandatory, right? Okay. No gift cards? All right. Have a good day. You guys be safe. But I don't want to bring any germs back into my home from eating out at a restaurant that I don't even trust because it's corona outside. So that's my feel on that. Sorry. I just thought that. That really bothered me. Are you laughing? That was a joke? Okay. Sorry. Anyway. My workplace racism. So I was thinking about... um when the lady was saying that she had to go in and with all her whiteness speak for them, but she takes all the, you know, credit for all her action words and phrases, suggestions, because they're scared. I wonder why they're scared. Are they being mistreated? 
if that's the, if that's quote unquote the case, or how are they being treated in there? So um, back to me. I had a uh, <laughs> my supervisor, my supervisor, black one, sent me a message asking me if I was going to get vaccinated or uh, um, if I had, could I upload my um, card to the little pay portal? Now, mind you, it's not due until November in real life. But I don't know what, <laughs> what if it's because, I don't know if they trying to get her to ask me because I don't listen to anybody else in the company. I mean, I follow the the mandatory rules, but anything past mandatory, I'm not doing. And if something is mandatory during my shift while I'm working, I'm not available because I thought these kids were mandatory and then this week. So I'm, I've always been this way. I don't need to change now. So um, I said, oh, okay, and left it alone. Um, the Spanish-speaking supervisor, I, I remember I think I participated last week, and she was supposed to come in person on um, Monday. So Monday comes, and I get an email. Oh, I, I don't know why I kept saying Monday that I would be there, and I meant to say Tuesday. Uh, Friday fog, my start. Yeah, so, so tomorrow is the day that I'll be there, not the day that I kept. Reiterating, not that year. See you tomorrow. No big deal, girl. This was a year behind. Whatever. So she she comes on Tuesday in person. And of course, she lives right up the street, so she's usually beats me there. I I'll be there. So I got there. I wasn't late. I was on time. So uh, we go in. Little boys like ah, caught me. So fourth house is. Uh, House is never visitor friendly. Always disarrayed. It always looks as if a child pays the mortgage. And um, so she comes in. Now, mind you, I already let the people know that this lady is coming into your home. But maybe people don't. So, house is a hot mess. Use the metaphor. And um. We go in. So now she's got to do some work. Okay. Hope you brought your laptop. Did you bring stuff you're supposed to bring? Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. I already talked to you on Friday. You had even an extra day. Let's do it. Let's do it. What you got? What you got? Um. So she comes with these little dollar store trinkets and toys. No big deal. She likes certain things anyway. Give me what you got. Give me what you got. Got this apron. Great. Right. Now I got another one. I'll keep the one I had. Great. Thanks, Grace. Give me the apron. These cards. All right, all right, great, 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 great. So she, so this is what she did. She's going to implement some programs and remove all the rest. Mind you, I've been asking her to do this for a year. So uh, she implemented a structure to where he's like maybe 45 seconds doing an activity at uh, something at the table. Maybe, yeah, maybe an activity like uh, a learning activity. And he has to stay there 45 minutes. I got to, uh, I mean, 45 seconds. And then he gets 15 minutes of free play, whatever it is. Now you can go. 
Oh, thanks. All right. Beat it. Kid. And I'll see you in 15 minutes. So I set the timer doing that. So I'm mingling with her. It was cool. Timer goes up. Oh, all right. Activity time. Oh, God. So he rolls up. All the stuff. You got to get him. Got to hold him. So I'm like, all right, you can get him. So you can see what I go through. Go get him. Good luck. So he chuckling and rustling. So now she got to play football with him, try to get him in the chair. So she sits him down. He's popping up, you know, kind of re- kind of resisting, but at some point he got in the groove of it. So uh, maybe this last 10 minutes, kind of do my notes so I can get up out of there. So he goes upstairs. And she's like, well, no, that's good because at least he didn't go um, during this time, the session. He just went now. I was like, uh-huh. So now he goes upstairs and he come back down to get me. Like, you come up here too, leave her down here. So she's like, no, 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 she's going to stay down here with me. So he takes me, he pushes me, going up with me. So I was like, nah, I'll be down there when I'm finished. I'm going to do my notes up here with him. So uh, <laughs> she stood down there. She stayed down there and um, stayed up there. And I let him know, okay, when I'm finished, I'm leaving. He's, oh. so, okay, yeah, I'll be back tomorrow. Too. So, uh, I leave or whatever. So in the midst of that, what she, uh, she's asked me, so, you know, I've noticed during your past two sessions, you, you know, he's been doing real good. Do you notice that too? Yeah, I noticed because I'm working real hard with my black supervisor trying to get some stuff going in the midst of whatever you doing or not doing. Yeah, it's looking good. So do this. And it's like, I see whatever he's doing. Now, mind you, she's doing all this stuff as we're there. So, She's adding new things in there, and I'm trying to record as much as I can, but you're sitting right here, so you can record some of this stuff, too. So <laughs> I get a message in my um, form. Well, we counted five um, elopings, and you didn't record any. I thought we agreed. I was like, look. Excuse me. You, you, can you put it in there? So since we agreed on it, put it in. I didn't. I didn't. I wasn't recording that. You do it. Put it in there twice so you don't miss it. You do it. Hmm. So, but well, the funny part about it was, she said, "Yeah, because I was just thinking. I just wanted to, you know, I just figured it's too much stuff on here. So I just figured, you know, I just eliminate some of the stuff. What I've been saying for a year, and um, because I didn't know what to do, I had to talk to my supervisor." I just figured if I just eliminate the stuff and um, just give them just a few things to do. So he only has just a few things to do, not a slew of different things. And I got all wrestle on it to get him to do it. But that's what I've been asking for months. But I guess she wanted it to seem like it was her idea, all this hard thinking. But that's why I always report her every Friday to my supervisor. So it's not like it's on me. I've been suggesting this, but since I'm, the messenger, the little runner girl, it's got to be your idea to make it seem like, oh, I, I figured it out. But mind you, her supervisor is supposed to be coming, her supervisor. So she's supposed to be coming or overlapping, coming. However, she's going to intrude in one of the sessions via tablet or in person, probably tablet. <laughs> so um, I just thought that was interesting because even though I've been asking for a year, she's just now doing something she could have did a year ago. And it's all her idea with all that hard, 
hard thinking, cramming her head with her supervisor. I've got it. Eureka. I got a solution. Got a solution. Right. So, um... I applied for this job <laughs> because I gotta get out of these people's house. Um, it's a uh, I don't know at home. So that's what I've been looking for: working from home. It is part time, uh, but uh, and I'm part time right now too. I don't overload myself with kids or hours. I'm nine to two. Poop. That's it. Uh. And if I do any more, it'll only be with the children that I have while I'm there because I'm trying to transition out. So what I may do is eliminate one of the two children if I get the position and see how it goes or see, you know, if I pass probation or whatever else and then go from there or just completely remove all the children and myself from the company, but uh, um, I I can't do both. I can't do two children and the job. I have to do pick a child and um, gradually wean myself off and get rid of the other child. I've been, I told myself when they turn five, one turns five in November, one turns five in February. That's it. That I mean, there's no more I could do. I stopped holding my son at five. Hey, five. Hey, sorry, you can't run the high. Oh, yes. Over five. Yeah, five. I got to show you everybody. So, um, that's my workplace. Oh, one more thing. So, I remember it was a time that I let, uh, I think that's something. I had to call, I think the girl, uh, the, the one at the black home, there's an aunt. She's like 47. She's, she's so, well, not. She has has to have some kind of mental disorder. You can see it in her facial structure or something. She was born in a particular way, poor thing. And she gets treated awful. And so I'm very nice, very nice to her. And then you'll get, don't talk to her! And it's told me it's awful. I, I don't like it. And it bothers me. So at some point, she started texting me. No big deal. The weather's going to be hot today. What you doing? It's nothing. You know, and I don't, she doesn't bother me. She's Delays does not bother me. No big deal. So apparently somebody found her phone, and my uh, my name is in there. So it's like you've been texting her. <laughs> she no. <laughs> so uh, um, I, I, I um, the sister texts me, and she's like, "Has my sister been texting you?" So uh, mind you, none of them supposed to be texting me. So I could care less. And um. Really don't even care about the job in real life. Other than that, I wouldn't probably would have had a problem with the girl texting me. But she's slow, so how do you tell her? And <laughs> she's not big deal. So <laughs> she, so I, 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 so the girl, she had must have just texted me, tell I me mean, something, and I don't normally answer. But um, I, she told me. If my sister calls you, or if somebody call, if somebody asks you, tell them your name is do 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 do. And I said, well, <laughs> you don't think they see that you're texting me? 
And it's no, I don't text or call her. But you don't see, you don't think they can see that? Well, I just don't, don't say, and don't, don't tell. Just say no. If they ask you a hundred times, I said, okay, no problem. You I don't care. No problem. And so then I said, no. And she's like, not even for the weather? And I never answered. So when I went there today, I was waiting to see whomever so I could just let them know. Uh, so what I was going to just say is, look, whatever you got, if you don't want her talking to me or whatever it is, which is so awkward because if the whole house is so disarrayed, there's a six-year-old, and she just turned seven, that's there uh, by default. She was there today. She takes up all, it's, it's, it's no way, nobody has, can, nobody will say, hey, come over here. Maybe the grandma will be like, let her run her session. But not the little girl, she's right there. So whatever I'm doing, uh-uh, like this, like this. I'm like, he, he'll do it, he'll do it. No, no, I'd like this. So it's like, it's, I got this little helper that nobody's pulling to the side unless the grandma's there. And I got this, this, this aunt that, want some kind of attention from me as well. And I got this little boy <laughs> that wants some kind of attention from me as well that I'm supposed to be there for. And there's no real boundaries. And I'm not, I don't want, and I just, so what I will say is, because I don't like to be in the middle of anything. So you just tell her, don't, because I didn't give her my number. She needed me to call her phone. So that's how she got my number. So, and it didn't bother me. I'm not going to, Leaving you alone, and you know, not gonna do that. But if you don't want her calling me or talking to me, that's fine. But don't put me in the middle like that. Don't don't be mean to her. So my thing is, I don't want her to be mis. I didn't want her to be mistreated or yelled at or being mean to so or whatever. And um, when I saw the lady today, you could tell <laughs> they told her don't talk to <laughs> me. And you can tell they tell the husband that too. And I don't, I don't care. Just I wish nobody would talk to me so I could do my job in real life, except for the mom. Because when I'm trying to share stuff with the mom, last part, I'm trying to share with the mom the the new program. So she's listening, right? Okay, yeah, 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 because you care. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. So I'm telling her something. Mom is so focused on the TV program, and it's some superhero black. Superpower Girl, I forgot whatever she said the program was called, but it's like a superhero comic strip lady with superpower. I think she's star or something. She must have come from another planet. <laughs> the term, press weave, whatever it is. So I guess the first season, maybe she had afros, and then they just silked her hair right, straightened it right on out. And I was like, so what are you watching? Because I'm talking to you about this child, and you just, oh, Run! Go, girl! Now, mind you, all this stuff can be paused. I'm talking to you about your child. But you're so focused on this superhero program that you can't hear me. So I spun off because there's nothing else. I'll never say anything else to you about this child because I don't understand how come this television program is taking up all your... You can't... All right, I'm in the line. Let's take my call. Mm. Reading, child rearing, 
more important than watching television. Wow. That's the second time I'm just uh, pointing out for folks patterns uh, where she was, I think, talking about a different client, uh, Bay Area mom, where she was there. And it was this time it was the the black child. Uh, I think it was Rio or one of those uh, Disney abominations, Luca, whatever it is. And Mm -hmm. they had the TV on. See, see, they had the TV on and the child is just going bananas as most children, as most adults even. Uh, is going bananas like oh my gosh look at my show zoom bow, bow. And he's all into like man this, maybe can we turn the TV off so I can do my lesson without him being distracted like everybody loves television got it uh, maybe we can resume the TV watching after the session maybe no yeah uh, when you play around with sex that's the other one joke is on the offspring seems like lots of these clients <sighs> Playing around with sex. Taking care of these black children is not that big of a priority. That would really be a killjoy for this job. Like, man, anybody who you work with children, you're an educator, anything in that field. And you have uh, parents that are not very vested, like it seeming like this is not the number one priority. And they recognize like the magnitude of having a black child in a system of white supremacy where that is not the case. Like, ooh, way less enjoyable experience. Like, just oof, looking the whole time, obviously, and this is gonna be rough. Um, see, I'm kind of I got hopped all around in there. Reading is more important than watching television. Like I just said, if you're thinking, if you are a, if you're classified as black, thinking about having children. No television in the house. You have your Wi-Fi, whatever, and watch things, you know, on your computer. Most libraries, they have movies and things that you can rent so you can stay super uh, current if you need to about whatever is on television. Not that there should be that much that you got to see on a weekly basis, but I mean, no television if you have offspring. Uh, Let's see. The... She said the she was talking about her supervisor who we've heard for years and years and years, the white supervisor, uh, where she said, hey, I've been asking. Maybe we can change this plan up to help these children who are already in a tough way. Maybe we can change this plan up a little bit. Oh, yeah, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. Maybe we can just plan up. Got to keep asking. Keep asking. Finally, same thing we heard before stealing ideas. Hey, as she said, like Eureka. I've been doing some power thinking for the last 12 months. And you know what I came up with? We will simplify the plan. Like that's what we've been asking for about 12 months now. Hmm. Cliche in the system of white supremacy, black babies cost less. Got that one in there too. Really going to make an effort to dump our all and our highest thinking and effort into serving these black children, black clients, same thing like with the uh, white people who run the NPR. Poorly served all the way. Uh, now, they waited 12, 12 months to change the plan for this black child. They didn't wait 12 months to see, hey, uh, you got that uh, vaccine status? Get your vaccine yet? Maybe you can upload that. <laughs> like, man, 
I suspect that could be lots of folks, uh, particularly I would think non-white people, since they are saying that we're all unvaccinated and everything. But I could see lots of folks getting harassed uh, about that. You vaccinated? Got your status? Got your vaccine card? Have you uploaded it yet? That sort of thing regularly. So definitely no policy and procedure and make your decisions about what you're going to do with all that. I know she's uh, in the California area. I saw just before we went live, uh, the Golden State Warriors. Folks are aware of them, right? Steph Curry. All those folks. Clay Thompson. Uh, so they're in the Bay Area, right there where she is, hometown team. So Andrew Wiggins, black male, he plays for them as well. Warriors Andrew Wiggins can't play home games without vaccines, says San Francisco Department of Public Health. Not going to read the whole thing, but this is from earlier today. Golden State Warriors forward Andrew Wiggins, who is reportedly unvaccinated against COVID-19, will not be permitted to play in home games at San Francisco's Chase Center unless he is vaccinated soon. In a statement to San Francisco Gate on Friday, the San Francisco Department of Public Health said that Wiggins would not be able to claim a religious or medical exemption as a response to the city's policy for large indoor events. At large and mega indoor events, all patrons 12 and older must be vaccinated at this time, the statement reads. Under the current order, if unvaccinated, they cannot enter indoor areas regardless of the reason they are unvaccinated and cannot test out of this requirement even if they have a medical or religious exemption. This same rule applies to performers and players employed by the host at large and mega indoor events who are covered by the vaccination requirement of the health order. The department had previously stated it would not comment on Wiggins' situation unless he received a religious exemption from the NBA. The San Francisco Chronicle reported that those around the league believe the NBA would grant him such an exemption. The San Francisco Chronicle and San Francisco Gate are owned by the same parent company, Hearst, but operate independently of one another. The religious exemption conversation appears to be moot now as the city will not allow Wiggins to enter Chase Center for games regardless of the reason he is unvaccinated. I'll stop there. Uh, so depends on where you are in the now. This is California. Seattle, I think they have something uh, similar. Have to double check to see because they've been having football games and all the mega events and everything. So I have to see about that. But they were in Florida. No big deal. As I understand it, out of the 30 NBA teams, only two, all of the players are vaccinated on their roster. So I don't know what this means for other teams. If they go to California or some of these other areas where you have to be vaccinated for these mega events, as they call them, uh, who knows? That's why I said it is amazing. This chunk of time and everything that's happening and all the rest of it. We shall have to see what all this means. I haven't heard Andrew Wiggins say that he's going to retire um, or stop playing about the, the vaccines. We'll have to see all this gets worked out. Uh, let's see. Other folks who dialed in, uh, if you have commentary to share, line should be open. Proceed. Hello. Hello. Uh, Irie in, well, I don't know, Louisiana or Texas. Uh, yes, ma'am, we can hear you. No, I wasn't. I wasn't in Texas before I was. I was in uh, Marvel in Chicago. 
but uh, all is well. I'm restored to my land of origin. And um, I wanted to suggest really quickly um, to the person trying to avoid the, the outing, what I would do and what I suggest is just don't say anything. Don't say nothing. And wait till maybe that day and send a polite email like, thank you so much for inviting me to do to conflicting schedule. Like, um, I don't know, you can figure out how to word it. Like, I have a conflict in my schedule and I can't make it. Sending uh, warm, warm wishes and regards. And I'd send that email and politely not go, but I would wait for the day. I wouldn't say anything else about it. I just wait and then not go. Basically, you could, she could, he or she could try that too and not send anything. Just don't go if it's not required. Um, and that's, that's all I would, uh, say. And in regard to, um, the, the lady that spoke to the distracted parents and the TV um, situation, I'm just, I don't know, like I'm wondering if uh, someone higher than you can speak to the parent about how um, negative the TV being on is impacting your service to the child, um, and it may be that a white person needs to tell them that it's not a good thing or something. I don't know, but I think this is the second or third time that you've mentioned this happening. Um, so sometimes parents, they'll act, from my experience teaching, they'll act when they feel embarrassed about the situation, um, because I, I have told parents in the past that the child, you know, was, was, had a deficit or something. And a couple of the parents, when they, when I reported it to them, what I saw, they were shocked and they were embarrassed. Like I could see their face literally becoming what they would call flush and, you know, they would, you know, say, okay, I, I'm going to do something about that. I'm going to look into that. I'm going to start doing X, Y, Z right away. Thanks for telling me. But they were receptive to me, even though, you know, I'm not white. But since this lady isn't catching on, somebody else is going to have to tell her about that television. And some, it has to be somebody that unfortunately would make, make her self-conscious about it. And that's, Really, all I was going to add for now. Thank you so much. I'll meet my line. Much obliged, Irie. Not in Texas. Um, appreciate. Let's see. We got suggestions. Different uh, technique for dealing with this uh, hideous bruncheon invitation. She says, "Don't say a word. They can talk about it. It's not. I think it's like next Friday, so we got a week." Uh, she says, "Don't say anything about it." then you wait till the day of and just up i had a scheduling conflict i'm not going to be able to participate i wish you all the best hugs and kisses peace 
love that one. They don't have they don't have time to build up and try and you know do this and do that and fool your excuse and all that. Just up, oh, can't make it. Thank you. God bless. I don't know with the television thing. If the, I mean, she seems like she has a pretty good rapport, Bay Area mom, with lots of these folks. So she might have a report where she can you know say something about the television if it'll be received. But it is such a such an element of poison. And I, th- I think you're totally correct. A lot of times it has to come. That sort of messaging would have to come from someone where they can be received. Like, whoa, I wasn't thinking that. I have to be a little bit self-conscious about this. Like, whoa, make sure we don't have this television on all the time. And boom, boom, boom. Be more careful about that. And uh, it's just it is a very powerful weapon of white supremacy. Racism. That's what I said. No TV in the house if you're going to have offspring. That way you can prepare nine months that the 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 baking is half and bun in the oven they say you can use that time to make sure you got the screen out of the house and you don't have that problem they're not just sitting around even when they're not watching tv the gigantic television being on and can't even you know do their lessons or goals or whatever because they're getting distracted so yeah if you have that sort of rapport maybe you can say something or someone else but lots of folks need that messaging no television offspring are paying the price uh, for the TVs, especially the ginormous TVs that are now, you know, 15 feet tall and such. Uh, let's see. Much obliged again, Irie. Uh, other folks who dialed in, if you have a hand up, commentary to share, number again, 720-716-7300. The code 56 four nine four three pound press star six one if you would like to participate no spectating if you have uh, strategies techniques some things to help non-white people solve problems without creating new problems and or if you have observations in general things that are happening in your workplace man I am so thankful I did not make the same error I did yesterday at the beach today. Wow, it is magnificent. <laughs> Still a plantation, but take advantage, especially now that summer is officially over and it is autumn. There will be very few of these days left. Uh, I'll be complaining soon when they have the street lights on at 2.30 in the afternoon because it's dark and cloudy. No fun to be at the beach then. But for now, still fun times at the beach. Uh, other folks, suggestions, comments, observations, star six one. <laughs> folks taking a moment to get their thoughts together, make sure. Get my plug in, oh, we'll be here. Yeah. Oh, was that Irie? Oh, sorry, go ahead. Just get our plug in real quick. We'll be here for the compensatory call in tomorrow, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific, normal time. So much to catch up. I was trying to have a listener who actually requested, can you put the Albano Affairs back in? And I said, I just talked to, uh, I think, Non Clemson Gray. He was talking about the Albano squirrels in South uh, Carolina. I was just looking for a report, and I said, man, there was so much to play. I couldn't really couldn't really justify getting rodent uh, reporting in, but we should be here. Compensatory call in. Lots and lots has been happening. Even they were talking about energy and that they deliberately not upgrade the power system. Have all those outages in New Orleans and Louisiana for weeks and weeks. 
tomorrow, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific, compensatory call-in. Much obliged, Irie. Thank you. No problem. I did want to add something very interesting that I found out. Um, so I reported months ago that I was injured at school by a special education student because of a white teacher practicing racism and switching classes with me so she could get out of out of her work day early. So we've gotten to the point where um, the uh, opposing counsel offered a settlement and um, my attorney called and said, you know, it's, it's really interesting and I'm confused why they're doing this. They want to settle for XYZ amount, but they want you, well, no, not an amount. They wanted to uh, settle for a 2% loss of use for my knee injury. And they want you to resign in exchange for the settlement. And I said, why in the world would I have to resign? And he said, and I, and of course I told him, I said, well, listen, if they want me to resign, that's fine. Cause I'm not planning on going back in the classroom anyway. Um, and I'm not because it's, I can't be effective as a substitute teacher in the system, the school system. And we all know how that's designed and who it's run by. So I just figure I could do something in the community. You know, it would be better for me to use my skills, you know, within the community instead of the classroom. So I wasn't planning on going back anyway, but I'm like, dang, I got to resign? So I said, okay, well, let's give them the resignation, but I'm counter-offering for a higher percentage, 10%. And so he put the counter-offer in, and I'm like, well, I'm like, is this even something they can legally do? And he said, yeah, actually, he said, he said that disability is the only way an employer can legally discriminate. I'm paraphrasing, but that's basically what he said. And I'm like, okay, well, what about the whole Americans with Disabilities Act thing? He said the way that they can discriminate is by saying, well, we just don't have the... Um, the ability to uh, accommodate your injury or your disability. Um, we feel it would be unsafe for you to work here, continue working here anymore. And he said some other stuff that I can't recall, but he said they're not stupid enough to come out and say, we don't want you to work for us because you're disabled or because you became injured. So they have to basically skirt around it with some type of legalese that protects them. But the fact that he said disability is the only way an employer can legally discriminate, that was a little bit, um, it was a lot of it, like eyebrow raising. And it just, I'm just kind of astounded by that. Um, so, yeah. I, I can no longer work for the institution that I was working for when I was, was hurt. And, and I wasn't even like severely hurt per se. I didn't lose a limb and I didn't need surgery. I just needed physical therapy. 
And what they're settling with me for, you know, is a pittance, honestly, compared to someone, you know, really being injured on the job where they might say, okay, this is, you know, this is expensive. Let's get rid of them. But that's what he said, and I just wanted people to know that. And I'll meet my line. Thank you. Legal discrimination. Wowzers. Now that that would be another illustration of why it is so critical you each individual victim of racism, you have to really prioritize that word again, safety. And they have the audacity. We don't think it'll be safe for you to come back in these conditions. It would be unsafe with your injury. Disingenuous word of the day. Uh, But it is so critically important that you really prioritize your safety. Part of that, in my opinion, checking out policy and procedure about what's supposed to happen uh, for a workplace injury in the first place that way you're kind of familiar with the policy uh, and procedure what's supposed to happen and you know what's the timetable uh, for everything to take place remember she was telling us about all the nonsense they gave her some assigned uh, work duty and then they go in and they say part of the work duty well we want you to walk around uh, the warehouse wait a minute wait I'm I'm on injury detail like I'm not supposed to be doing any walking I got a knee problem hmm Mm. <laughs> like, geez, what in the world? Uh, no, you have to prioritize your safety uh, in the workplace. Does not get any better than tacky. We'll see how the whole uh, settlement uh, plays out for uh, Irie, but I'm sure she a pittance. Not like they're trying to actually do anything. And then a pittance and your resignation. Don't even want you to be around anymore. Just get on out of here. Thank you for your service to the education of our children. Now get out of here. Long history of them doing that. uh, Getting rid of black educators in the state of Louisiana all the way back to Hurricane Katrina. Much obliged again, uh, Irie. Uh, Let's see. Other folks who dialed in, if you have a hand up, 720-716-7300. Decode five six four nine four three pound. Press star six one if you would like to participate. Can I be heard? Uh, yes, sir. Okay. Um, greetings, Gus. Uh, greetings, callers, listeners. I'm Nick over the road. Um, quick situation i read an article about a, a black man i was applying for a job at a truck stop and when some truck driver from colorado decided to start stabbing him in the neck and when the police asked him why he said because i wanted to kill a nigga and he pled guilty and held to that statement um so anytime i walk into a place i have a tendency to take a couple steps in and i take a wide view of the room just to place everybody so um, I just kind of got over being sick, and I kind of limited my food intake. And so I decided to go grab something to eat, considering I started feeling better. So I walked into a Whataburger, did the same thing, just took a wide view of the area, the people in there. I saw a sister sitting, 
and she was an employee eating her lunch or whatnot. And right to my left, there's a group of about 10 older white men. And out of my periphery, I seen one of them look at me. And when I looked over to see, you know, to look at him, he looked away, kind of funny looking. And so I kind of paid attention to those 10 gentlemen sitting over there. And I guess whatever I was thinking, I know what I was thinking. It kind of, I guess I expressed it on my face. So when I looked back at the sister that was eating, her face kind of looked like she was responding to what was on my face. And I kind of looked over at the counter where people, you know, where the people behind the counter were taking orders. And one of the order, you know, people was, they was looking at me. So I guess whatever she saw, he saw. So I went over, I placed my order. And usually when they finish taking your order, you go to stick your credit card in, nothing popped up on the screen on the credit card machine. And he went to typing some more stuff into the register and bam, I seen an employee discount. Cut the price damn near in half, right? So I'm like, huh. Looked up at him. He's like, oh, I gave you my employee discount. And he said, uh, sometimes you just got to help people out. And I'm like, okay, well, I'll do the same thing. Put my card in, transaction went through or whatnot. And I decided to go to the restroom and wash my hands. And I was thinking, why would this um, white dude risk his job giving me an employee discount? I have on like a $160 headset two large smartphones in my hand, an expensive smartwatch on my wrist, and I'm thinking, like, why would he think that I need his employee discount? So I come back out, and my food was already ready, which was odd to me. And um, so I, I grabbed the food, and as soon as I walked out the door, I just threw it in the trash. It's just something about when non-blacks do me a favor or go outside of their way, it's, it's something behind it, you know? And um, just to reflect on, on like, not eating at fast food restaurants. Um, another situation, I went to the archives and I was listening to a show, um, and there was a gentleman talking about um, his friend working at a company where he, um, where they asked him to train another employee, and he, I guess he was kind of like not comfortable with it. Now, I worked in EMS for 12 years, and I, I started teaching, but part of that was for me to join the National Association of EMS Instructors. Now, I guess considering the job that I did, it's, you have to train to be an instructor. Instructors that train instructors even have to go through training on how to train instructors. And because sometimes, like, when we're doing jobs like that, we get the basics, but then we kind of get our own groove, and we may skip some things or add some things that make it easier for us. But when you teach an EMS, there's a particular protocol, and they make sure that we bestow the basics prompting, evaluating, and stuff like that um, for, you know, um, paramedics in the field. And one of the things that he could have used is if it's not part of his employment contract to train people or just basically train people, that can be a safety issue. 
because he may throw in his own thing or you get what I'm saying? So that's that's one thing that you could use. Like maybe he could have said, hey, I'm not trained to train people or not. I'm not trained to write a manual on the steps or processes for this. I just figured that that's one of the things that you can use of your duties and responsibilities in your employment contract to kind of negate some of the things they may have, you know, um, come to you and have you do, especially if they're not paying you to do it. That's like a whole nother situation. Um, and uh, that, well, that's all I wanted to share. Uh, I'll mute myself. Hmm. Mutt, they had that word again. Safety. Word for the year. Uh, much obliged, Nick, over the road. Um, we read way back when um, Gavin DeBecker, who worked on the O.J. Simpson case, we read his book, The Gift of Fear. And he has a whole section uh, on the workplace and what have you. But one of the general points of the book is when you get those, what do you, whatever you want to call it, uh, intuition, thoughts, uh, you get a, suspe- a suspicious uh, feeling, you have some sort of suspicion. I don't know if I should eat this hamburger. In fact, I'm going to throw this out. You should follow those, at least investigate. Now, I guess in case of that one, it's not a whole lot you can do. It's a decision about the food. I think somebody had already said today like hey forget all that eating out let's try and minimize that you never know what they're going to put in your baked potato your french fries whatever else you go to get you never know best to try to minimize that as best we can can be difficult depending on your type of job if you're out doing a lot of driving and what have you traveling then certainly those are but even then like they have grocery stores and what have you where you can prepare your own foods they have coolers all of that where you can have food and don't have to worry about what they have done to your items but even that like how many times do you go to an establishment where the white person at the register gives you their employee discount just out of the blue. When does that happen? Even if they, I've been in restaurants where I've seen people who look like they were hurting. They didn't go, let me get you an employee discount. You look like you could use a good high. When does that happen? Hmm. Almost never. Thank you kindly. Trust your intuit. Minimize the eating out as much as possible. And then trust your intuition. You get that suspicion like, man, I don't know what they have put in this. I don't want to put it in my mouth. I'm good. Uh, Now, I don't know if the case he was talking about because there's so many incidents of uh, white terrorism. It's hard to pick out. But I think. Let's see. Said truck driver sentenced to 16 years for slashing neck of black man in hate crime. Nolan Levi Strauss. This is in Oregon. This is right up down the road for me. Okay, this was the one. Okay. A Colorado trucker who nearly killed a black male by slashing his neck in an unprovoked attack at an eastern Oregon truck stop was sentenced on Thursday to 16 years in federal prison. Nolan Levi Strauss, 27, pleaded guilty to a federal hate crime involving an attempt to kill 
Uh, the Oregonian reported his lawyer argued that Strauss committed the crime because he was off his mental health medication and having a manic episode. But prosecutors said there was no mistaking Strauss's racial animosity in the December 21, 2019 ambush in Ontario. Strauss of Colorado Springs walked into the Arby's, going to those restaurants, walked into the Arby's next to the Pilot Travel Center along Interstate 84 near the Idaho border and stabbed Ronald Hughes in the neck. In the neck, Hughes grabbed his attacker's hand and fought for control of the knife before he was able to break free from Strauss. The truck stop worker subdued Strauss. Hughes was taken by ambulance to a local hospital and then flown by helicopter to Boise, Idaho for emergency surgery. As Strauss was being restrained, a worker asked him why he attacked a stranger and Strauss responded, because he was black. I don't like black people. Well, make it plain. Black male privilege, maybe? Black male privilege? Mm-hmm. Uh, be, I think somebody has been saying for about now, this happened at the end of 2019, so this is about mm, four or five months before I started saying it every program. Like, be alert. When you go out, check your surroundings. Same thing our caller was saying. This is not a good time to be bopping into the because see if he went into that restaurant talking about our caller now uh if he goes in nick over the road and he is not paying attention let's say he's got his headphones on he's bopping to the new drake maybe he doesn't get that signal that hmm he's giving me a discount hmm hmm i'm gonna think twice about eating this maybe you get that signal maybe you don't I tend to think when you're a little bit more alert, you can just pay attention to things that are happening around you. What's going on? Checking out your surroundings. You will pick up on things that maybe you wouldn't have even thought twice about that. If you had your mind on something else, you're on the phone when you're going to make your order and talk. He said, what? No way. Oh, yeah. Give me number two special. He said, what? For real? Don't even think. Maybe you don't even see that he gave you the discount. Yeah, because he didn't mention it. And there's two things I do when I when there's a non-black standing behind me in line, I stand at an angle so I can see him out of my peripheral. And another thing I do when I have my headset on, I have nothing playing, so I can hear everything, and I can also act like I don't hear them. We've had a healthy number. Wow, man, I can only say this like wow. I'm so thankful I'm at the beach now. I would so rather just be chilling out on the sand, taking photos. The sky is amazing. Like I've been at the third time I've been at the beach this weekend. Amazing every time. Like it is a disgrace what we have to sacrifice to try to replace white supremacy with justice. That being said, we have a number of cows listeners who in this context, workplace racism specifically have said they do that exactly in the workplace. It would work anywhere, but in the workplace they'll have their headphones on nothing playing they've noted that many times white people will be much more comfortable the racist jokes or gossip or whatever it is because they oh this nigger's not even he's listening to you know got the new drake going got the rihanna or whatever it is going and you're just listening away taking nothing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. don't want to be um, assist- real quick guys I'm sorry, I thought you was finished. 
Oh, let's hear it. Let's hear it. Um, this happened to me the other day. I'm in the truck stop getting some food, <laughs> getting some food again, some pizza, and I and I knew I shouldn't have been doing it. I'm standing in line to pay for an older white gentleman next to me. He grabs a fork out of a little condiments area, and he starts moving it back and forth like he's poking at me. And I just looked at him and told him, don't play with me like that. Oh, I won't play with you like that. First thing that came to my mind was delectable Negro. In less than a minute, I pay for my stuff and I walk out and one of the truck stop employees is banging on the back of my trailer. And I'm like, what are you doing? He said, is somebody in there? Now, my trailer has a padlock on it. I'm like, what? He says, somebody's in there. And I'm walking back there, and I'm like, what, you want to look in there? So he walks around the back. Now, trailers are pretty long. So by the time I get to the back, he's walking towards the front of my truck, and he rolls back into the truck. And I'm like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. So I unlock the trailer, and I look in there. I'm like, this, this is crazy, right? So I'm like, man, what this dude think? So I'm thinking, like, man, human trafficking. Now, I don't want to be 10 miles up the highway and and get pulled off. So I walk back in the truck stop, and in front of everybody, I'm like, hey. He turns around. I said, do you want to look at my truck? He's like, what? I'm like, it was banging on my truck. You said it was somebody in there. Do you need to take a look? And I'm saying this in front of everybody in there. And he's like, oh, no, 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 and walks off. And I just look around at everybody. They all staring at me, and I walk out. I had to sit for like 15 minutes, Gus, just to get my mind back to where I'm, I'm doing my thing without it's just poking with, you know, poking motion with the fork, human trafficking claims. It's, it's, it's crazy out here. I yield the floor. A delectable Negro. They got the fork. <laughs> like for real, that is a delectable Negro. Like, why do you have a fork out? Like you're trying to take a chunk out of me. Like, what in the world? And I mean, that's serious too, because that's you know a total weapon. That's uh, my man uh, Nolan Strauss. You know, like <sighs> danger, blackmail, privilege, uh, gang. Uh, but the danger of what everything that's happening right now. I mean, that's something simple as to, to get out and get pizza, God awful pizza, Ugh. um, to just get out and get food and I risk being attacked, stabbed, threatened all this. And then now you go outside. That could have been all kinds of bad. They could have already made a call into the police. I mean, that is a favorite racist, uh, pastime, uh, falsely accusing black people of all kinds of things. You know, he's trafficking in slaves. I saw five Chinamen in the back of it. Like, what and then like you say you get down the road and then whoa, 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 cops are pulling you over are you hauling slaves what are you doing is this human trafficking and you know like come on come on yeah. come on like just wasting time i stopped to get a meal and i've been threatened with a fork utensils and now you're coming out and accusing me of human trafficking go back inside and i, I cannot imagine this being done to a white person like in any context, any even if they did hear somebody in the back look like, wow, you might be Jeffrey Dahmer for real. Eh, he's probably having fun. He's a good old boy. Let it go. Then the mental health aspect of all this. Now I said that last week. We had a person who wrote in, uh, and he was saying that he was going working at different white people's residence and being threatened or have same thing. Uh, he said he's out working at a white woman's residence. 
and she comes out, stands next to him. They hear uh, the sirens for a police car going by. Woo, woo, woo. She says, hmm, been doing some raping, huh? I'm just out here working on the on the house, and now I'm some sort of criminal. Just because you hear the, but you can't even sit here and have civil conversation uh, with me. In fact, we don't even have to talk about anything. You can just sit quietly and make sure I'm not stealing, not robbing. I do my job at the insulate. No, 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 no. Criminal black people, consistently, human trafficking, whatever it is, you're doing stuff up to no good. You and Al Sharpton always. That takes a toll on your mental health. Now, imagine if he had just hopped back in the car and he's in a a tractor trailer now I just hopped back in my car I'm mad you know he tried to jab me uh, with a fork come out here accuse me of human trafficking racist blood pressure all up I'm breathing hard and gripping the steering wheel all twite going down the highway man that could be an accident so I've heard that for people who don't even do like they drive like a Honda or you know just regular old uh, PT Cruiser or whatever some little no count vehicle and they've had that happen where they had an argument uh, with a spouse or somebody and got behind the wheel and were upset and bam end up having an accident that's going to be like quadruple you're on your job and the implications and then the police could be called and all that I'm a human trafficker and all take 15 minutes like that could be the difference in an accident you being dead somebody else being dead take that time like I said have some breathing exercises for some people they have just saying Dr. Welsing's name if you have uh, ancestors people who you know cared for you looked out for you saying their name think of them maybe you pull out a picture water I always encourage water have a sip of water like you're going to have pizza that's going to have a lot of sodium in it drive your sodium level up with all that salt so drink some water that is always good that immediately lowers that blood pressure and guarantees you got to stop to go to the bathroom so that's always great you get more time to chill out relax a little bit but that is hugely uh, critical component of counter racism like stop mental health white supremacy racism is terrorism and it takes a toll on our health especially when you're getting this sort of abuse on a constant basis uh, it can take it can have an impact and you don't even know you're just trying to go get food and I got to throw it away because I got suspicions they done something to it I try to get food and I'm being threatened and accused like now before I even eat I got to calm Get my nerves together. Context of white supremacy. Did you have anything else you were going to add, Nick, over the road? Uh, No, sir. No, sir. That's it. Stay safe. That's the word. That is the word. Stay safe on on the road. And I guess do as best you can to mitigate. I know I've never done any sort of driving or anything like that. So I'm like the last person to be giving out any recommendations about food and all that. But just uh, they do have coolers. I know I would want hot food, too, if I was out on the road. I totally get it. But they do have coolers and uh, other means uh, where you can have uh, your own food and what have you. So you don't have to be as dependent on all of that. But that would definitely be. Like one of the road hazards, I'd be looking to mitigate uh, as much as possible. Like I'm not going to give these white people even an opportunity to put a fingernail uh, in anything that is going in my mouth, cup of coffee, like nothing. Um, Hard though that may be under the conditions we have. Uh, Let's see. Other folks who dialed in, if we missed you totally, 
you have a hand up, uh, commentary to share. Uh, yes, sir. Uh, greetings, guys. Greetings, callers and listeners. Um, oh, I'd like to say I appreciate the, the last caller and, and their um, and their comments. Definitely going to um, add um, that to my code, being more aware. I thought I was aware of my surroundings, but um, hearing the previous caller, how they go about um, existing in this um, incorrect system, definitely something I, I will be adding to my code. Very constructive and very horrifying um, story regarding the the black male attempting to get a um, get some employment and um, that happens to him very incorrect but uh, expected under this um, terroristic um, system and also the the, the call of story reminds me of um when I was uh, many many years ago and I was very confused and I, I used to work at Chick-fil-A and um at the cashier there and they actually um, give Law enforcement class race soldiers, they give them their own little um, discount. And even when I was very confused, I knew, I, I, I knew race, something was incorrect about the whole um, law enforcement um, industry. Um, so I would give that police discount um, to every um, black person uh, I saw. Or, or just, uh, uh, just, just, yeah, to mostly black people. And, um, Eventually, uh, it was uh, it, I was it was found out uh, someone did write on me I, I suspect, and I was fired um, like a week before uh, I was going to, I was about to move out of town anyway for um, for college, um, but yeah, it's really um, interesting um, uh, story. I think that's a great example of black self respect just about how that college was about in their um, existence as well. But I uh, appreciate the show. Appreciate that. Much obliged. Appreciate the commentary. Chick-fil-A. I feel like Chick-fil-A has been in the news a lot. I guess they're opening up another facility. Um, I've been reading about Chick-fil-A a lot. Used to eat Chick-fil-A all the time. Like, but it's, <laughs> uh, don't be a hypocrite. Cast the plank out of your own eye. Like, before I got better about my diet, I used to eat Chick-fil-A all the time. I was telling the Polynesian sauce with the waffle fries. Like, oh, put on a good 15 pounds. Um, but I mean, that's that's what I would think. That would be the normal reaction. Like, not oh, a nigger came in and you thought he looked like he was, you know, down and out, could use a little help. You gave him an employee discount. Bravo, employee of the month. That's not what happens. Like you did what? You giving the niggers employee that fired. Get out of here. Give them discounted chicken. That's what I would expect. System of white supremacy. Surveil your area. Uh, we everything is so dang. Everything is so dang. Matter of fact, it's not workplace racism. That's why I didn't mention it for today. But <clears throat> the group of black females. They went to New York. Same thing. They got in trouble going out trying to eat, and everything started right there. You got to have vaccine passports for some places to verify that you can be there and all that. Like it's a whole lot to think about uh, nowadays. If you're trying to go out to eat, I would try to avoid that as much as possible. But that'll be on tomorrow. Compensatory call in 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. Chat about the continued dangers of black people eating out. Uh, let's see. 
other folks who dialed in, if you have a hand up, uh, star six one, you have uh, like max 30 minutes left in the broadcast. So do not wait till the last moment if you think you have comments, suggestions to share. Uh, 720-716-7300. The code 564-943-POUND. Press star six one if you would like to participate. The email is until justice at gmail.com uh, folks we missed totally have comments suggestions to offer may I be heard caller down in Racky Ron DeSantis land uh, caller at the courthouse yes sir yes sir exactly exactly thank you very much sir greetings to Gus, the host, the listeners and callers. Um, I have some updates I would like to share. Uh, And ironically, I think um, a couple of the reports have something to do with mental health. Uh, I suspect that the racists the treacherous uh, race soldiers on the job um, banded together or collectively came together and tried to come up with a plan uh, starting with my supervisor. Um, On Monday, she came up to me after I've been talking about that arrest from a black male victim uh, being, you know, you know, uh, arrested and apprehended by the bailiffs. And it was during a conversation about the panic button. And, you know, I talked about how that is something I've never seen before. And that, that shouldn't ever happen again. You know, and I said how that was uh, a violation of safety of my safety and it was uh, traumatizing. So she came up to me with this pamphlet, right? Um, and handed it to me and she was trying to fake. I think, I think it was all fake. Like talking about, um, well, I know you mentioned about the arrest that happened and, uh, how you said it wasn't safe and everything like that, you know. Um, so I just thought that I should give this to you because I'm I'm really worried about you or something like that, you know. And I'm like, what in the heck? And you know, I take the pamphlet and I throw it in the trash, you know. After she she left, and I said, the thing is, I think that there used to be a protocol on how to uh, professionally handle these kinds of situations. If that wasn't the case, why was an email sent out about the appropriate time to press the panic button? Because that's what it was about, this situation. So she started stuttering and everything like that. And, well, you know, I wasn't here to see everything that happened. So I suspect a white supremacist answer so I think this was the first attempt to try to deflect, say, oh, well, you need to go 
speak to someone. It was it said EAP on the um, pamphlet, UF uh, Health or whatever. So, and I wasn't trying to mitigate the seriousness of mental health and speaking to a therapist or whatever. I'm talking about uh, injustice, okay, and how this person was treated and how that was unprofessional, et cetera. So the more I started mentioning that (laughs) and how that contributed to my mistreatment, she started backing away from me and wanting to walk out. So I wanted to start out with that to go on to my next one. Black female, she approaches me um, on Thursday, yesterday, just yesterday, uh, and she makes it, I guess this was an analogy or a comparison to the black female who was sent to archives so that uh, the black male that was being mistreated a few weeks ago would not see her. So that was a totally different situation to the mistreatment that I speak about that's happening to me uh, and that arrest that I saw. So she was saying, well, you know, just like how such and such went to archives, um, you know, I just wanted to let you know that you also have that option um, if you wanted to go uh, work over there so you won't lose any PTO or something like that but you'll still have to come over here to do your routes or whatever. So, uh, you know, on that first time she approached me about that, I said, I don't think there's a need for me to be working off site, you know, um, at archives. My work mainly pertains to this office. It doesn't make any sense. Why am I being asked this? in comparison with another black employee with two black employees. So she starts shaking her head or whatever. Um, because of course she conditioned, she's conditioned. And I said, the supervisor should have approached me with this. All right. So, and I start going into asking questions about my notes and my, what I've documented and everything. Uh, and I said, I've spoken to the top person, which he has addressed the things that I brought to him, but I said to him that I need to speak to him again. (laughs) Okay. Uh, So I think the white woman that I gave the code name, the warden teamed up with the white woman supervisor that's in the department. And they, one of them, got this black female to come to me and talk about this saying, well, the black in the black community, uh, you know, we don't take mental health very seriously. And, you know, I had a time in my life where, uh, you know, I lost my mother and it was a tough time that I had to go through. And, you know, there were times that I came to tears and it was just a tough time. And I, I said, you know, like, not to, once again, not to make little of your situation, but this doesn't pertain to what's going on here at work. Why are you bringing your personal information into a conversation to me? What does that have to do with me? 
And so she didn't really respond too much. So I thought once again, like that was another attempt to try to deflect from me speaking about uh, the injustice and unjust culture. And I use the term violation of safety and how I'm being treated. So she can't really say too much when I brought that up. And I think also that was an attempt to bring about intense conflict between uh, me and her. So I didn't really get into talking to her that much, but I could tell that she was um, delegate delegated to come to me and talk about that kind of topic because I've been speaking about these issues. All right. And I wanted to start with that. Uh, and if I could add about three more, um, the, there was a black male at the front counter in the civil area. And I was doing my 4 PM mail run. So I'm asking this, uh, I'm gonna classify her as white. So I said, did you have any late mail? You have any envelopes, you know? So she looked like she was working on something. And then she looked up and said, Oh, you know, I thought she was him. Right. I thought she was him. So it was another black guy, uh, sitting, sitting down on my right. And she was on my left. So I was like, Oh no. So she said, no, she answered the question. She didn't have anything. So, he was like, man, that's the second time today. I said, I said, what do you mean? And then he says, yeah, she think all black people look the same. So everybody um, looked up at us and I said, oh, is that what it is? He said, yeah, that's what it is. So I just walked off and she just looked up and, <laughs> you know, she started looking like she was embarrassed or whatever. But I think he had a valid point. Um, my next one is that this same guy, uh, he had to break up an altercation where a black female was uh, victimized. She had something that I think contributes to racism was said to her by a white woman. And from the report that I got, uh, it was something along the lines of, Oh, can't you read? You know, I guess some kind of a racist joke, a question or whatever. So, um, just to be, uh, frank and what was, what the response was, it was vulgar, of course. Uh, the victim says, Oh, you crackhead motherfucker. So, uh, he came from behind the counter. And he got in between the two females. Um, and I guess he broke up the argument. I guess it was, for the most part, verbal. It didn't look like it became physical. So I guess the security came in there and broke it up or whatever. So um, I wanted to share that because it still shows that even with the customers, not even knowing one another, racism or race racist white supremacist uh ideals and mindset get projected onto the victims 
Um, I just wanted to share that. Uh, and there was one last thing. There was um, there was a Facebook post by a what a person I would call a member of the uh, the clique, the clan. Uh, she says, "When I lose my shit, are they going to give me a prison uniform with vertical stripes?" Like what kind of what kind of a post is that? Like and talking to like the stripes on your 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 uniform. So now I screenshot that. So I think that's the person I need to be given that uh pamphlet. Um and that's all I have to share. Thanks for allowing me to speak. Talk about it, man. That is for sure a screenshot. That's that's in uh, Gavin DeBecker, the gift of fear. Now you're you're publicizing. Now when I lose my ish, what kind of uh, prison fatigues will they give me? Who talks like that? Is that sounding like Nolan Levi Strauss? They said he had some mental health problems. I guess he lost his ish too. He had to kill a black person. This is the same department where they just had the, the Halloween murder. Remember that one? Said the fellow went and chopped somebody in the neck, had blood running all out and everything. His uh, his his female partner worked at the courthouse. Maybe he lost his ish too. The uh, Nick over the road, he said, uh, do surveillance. Check out. Give a good long look. You go in. Who's in here? Where are the exits? Anybody in here look like they might be on the verge of losing their ish. That is the plantation, folks. What does it mean to be white? Uh, Let's see. Now, we start off. Safety. The panic button and all of that. I would think there should be like a seminar, especially if people are going to be getting arrested in the lobby and you got to break up fisticuffs and the Ronin and everything like, hey, let's have a training session. When do we use the panic button? What is it supposed to be used for all of that? Let's go over that in detail so everybody can be informed. This is supposed to be about promoting safety in the workplace. Then let's go about doing that in a correct manner, not just up oh, nigger here. Panic, panic, panic. And then we can go and baton them and knee them and all that in the workplace. Uh, and then the phoniness of it. Oh, he says, man, like that should never happen. Like, what is the protocol? Why are we doing this? Is there a way where what do they call it? We can <clears throat> de-escalate. Isn't that the word that's being thrown around? Can we de-escalate this without it having to be some sort of major eruption of violence and caning nightsticks, nigger knockers out in the lobby of the courthouse? I got this pamphlet for you. Seems like you might be having some mental health issues. (laughs) Like, do what? The issue is, is there a safer way we conduct business in the courthouse than having law officers hogtied? Lasso, we just had that this week down at the Texas border. Got the white cracker with the whip lashing immigrants. Like, is that the best way of conducting business? Is that the safest way of conducting business in the courthouse? Stuttering. Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> Disgraceful. Uh, so then, 
let's see, we they come back on the same thing. They come back and say, well, you know, uh, just wanted you to know. And then he said they delegate. He said they've done this a lot too. They they do this not just at the courthouse, like beyond on the plantation. Get some black person to come talk to you in a workplace setting. They do it beyond the workplace too, but just get some black person who is not the CEO, not the warden, janitor sometimes, cafeteria staff. Not that I'm talking bad about these people. I'm just saying they are not in charge. But they'll get this black person to come and talk. You know, you can always go work in the archives. You don't have to uh, be in a slutty. That's not the issue. Me going to the archive does not in any way impact us doing things in a safe manner. Move. move. You already got the segregated section. Now you want to shuffle all the black people off to the archives. Why is that? Down in Florida. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for interrupting. I tried to ask. I said, we. It's already two black employees having this suggested to us. Um, you know, she had that encounter with the customer, and I haven't even done anything. Uh, so, um, you know, and I asked, you know, why is that? And she did not answer my question. So it's a, a, a habit of them not answering questions that I have. So that, that that's all I had to say. Standard operating procedure, not answer your questions, which is a little more weighty in the workplace. Like if you're asking serious workplace questions, which all of these are, and you're not getting answers, like that's not contributing to a safe work environment either, where people are trying to get information to help complete their job and you're concealing, denying, withholding constructive information. Uh, let's see. And they certainly do not take mental health here. Can't even get people to wash their hands. Behave right about the Rona. If you get, you know, if it's, if it's a suspicion that you might be positive, let's stay home. Nah, can't mess up my PTO. Got to go into work. You don't even take regular health and uh, safety serious. Then I certainly don't think you're going to take mental health, black mental health serious at all. Uh, let's see. Now then, got the different white woman. She comes around. Oh, I thought that was you. What? And then the other black person who presumably does not have a reputation for talking about justice, white supremacy in the workplace, she just thinks all black people look alike. She's done that repeatedly today. (laughs) What? Does not get any better than tacky. And that's another one just to be expected. Like she's called everybody here. Leroy, that's Leroy down the hall. I'm not real. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We don't even look anything alike. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'll do better about it. That's another one. You can even ask like, do you think I look like Leroy? And see, that might be one. They don't answer either. Um, now the patrons breaking out at the, now that is a new one. Um, and it's racial. Can't you read and all that? Like, man, I'm not I would not be pleased about having to jump in and break up fights with patrons or even being somewhere where patrons are getting into brawls. And we got to break that up too. just again. The environment that we're in is so dangerous. Uh, You really just have to be super mindful about everything. And then you could be thinking any of these people could have been armed. The situation where the the bailiffs jumped the guy in the courthouse, he could have been armed. 
this situation here. Uh, can't you read? Could have been I'm pulling out my firearm and saying this. Or what did you say to me? I mean, that's what we have. 2021 and beyond. I would try to avoid all of this. None of these are situations I want to engage in with verbal confrontations with total strangers. And you're at the courthouse and willing to be talking like this. Like, oh, yeah, I'm definitely not trying to back up. Let the bailiffs deal with it. The bailiffs, they brag about shanking people. So they get excited to deal with this sort of thing. Um, and then now you got that the patrons behaving like that and then you got the staff member who's posted online when I lose my ish are they going to give me what type of prison fatigues that is our environment for 2021 folks like super dangerous all the way people fighting over gas fighting over toilet paper fighting over liquor shortages like all kinds of nonsense like the best you can do <coughs> excuse me best you can do stay hydrated stay safe avoid the nonsense as much as possible like it is massive on so many levels uh just in terms of people and their misconduct like for real take it seriously surveil the areas that you're going into and remembering in a system of white supremacy like man me as a black person it is just going to be assumed I'm the, you instigated it, but it was the patrons. It'll be you. You instigated it. You did it. All that. So be extra safe uh, in work environments, patrons, staff, all of the above safety. That is the word safety. The conduct has just been no name for it. Violent, uh, totally uh, melee. I can't even say it's just violent, just on total melee uh, and even the one that I got from uh, forgot from last week where he was talking about, I think it was a black staff person was walking with a colleague and began like fondling her in the workplace, man, yeah. <sighs> with all of this that is happening, you do not uh, want to be doing that. They just had a black principal got in trouble for like posting social media of him kissing his wife for their anniversary or something. She happened to be white cowbell. This is another cowbell situation. you have no idea the warden comes out and sees this one of the bailiffs comes out and sees this a patron (laughs) comes out and sees this and flips out like what are you doing did you try to rape that white woman and blah 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 and that is the last thing like even if you have made that sort of mistake and you are so called dating someone you work with you do not ever want to be fondling or anything else so called intimate in the workplace even if it's another non-white person like you are asking for all kinds of trouble black male privilege will not save you there Uh, any other comments folks need to get in much obliged our caller in Florida uh, before we get ready to wrap things up hello our caller in Georgia yes ma'am hello um I heard a lot of great comments, but I guess some things I just want to comment on. I know someone said, you know, they, white people like each other, whatever. They do not like each other. They get together to not like us. I think most of us, if we know white people work around enough white people, I think the previous caller, he talked about his job was on white people, those other groups of people, they do not like each other. They just know how to get together to not like us. Um, 
and um, I know it's also about giving discounts or whatever. Just be mindful of the things that you do um, because you can, yeah, you can get another job or whatever, but you can't get another reputation. So just be, when you are at work, you know, do the job. If they're coming into that place to buy the product, they have an idea of how much the product costs. Now, if it's on your heart and you see that they may look troubled, you know, if you want to ask, whatever. Um, even when I worked at TurboTax, it was okay for me to work around the fair to help people, I mean, the price to help people get discounts and things like that at the time. So it was allowed, so I did it. If I could help people, um, I've been a, you know, a professor. You know, if I want, if there's a student, you know, black student, you know, black student that's doing the best they can, but, you know, the grade is, you know, almost there, it's close. Um, I just curve everybody's grade so, you know, everything looks uniform. So if you're going to do things like that, you know, be mindful, do them the right way. Because, yeah, you can get another job or whatever, but you can't get another reputation. So just be careful of, you know, I know we all want to help each other, but, you know, violating policies on some other job. And then when you have your own business, you don't want to devalue your product as well. So you kind of don't want to get in the habit of that, especially when the main product, whether you work for someone else or work for yourself, is you. You don't want to devalue you and the work that you do because the work that you're doing, if, you know, people are hungry, the restaurant's important. You work at the hospital, even if you're the janitor, having the place clean is important. So don't devalue you and you won't, you know, things like that. Thank you. Much obliged, our caller in Georgia. Uh, last one before we wrap up. Three zero nine eight three zero nine eight. Did you have commentary to say, uh, share? Yes. Can I be heard? Yes, sir. All right. Briefly, um, for Nick over the road, look into the product um, Hot Logic. They offer. Um, Different, different um, ways to heat up meals. I, I know, like at some point, he must go back to his, his home base, and then he can, you know, meal prep, and then he can heat up, heat up his meals um, as he travels. But Hot Logic is something I learned, and I think I'm going to use going forward. I'll meet my line. Thank you. Hot Logic. How about that? Hot logic like i said i'm no expert on this so i'm glad we have some other people with more expertise than myself um we will continue that for next week because i know we do have other folks who drive and such uh that's their occupation so maybe they have some tips to help us out as well uh that will do our three hours we will be here tomorrow well that'll come up again black people eating out and racism white supremacy for messed up they didn't even get to get an appetizer i don't even think they got to the table and white supremacy, racism, foiled everything, and the police had to be called. And what normally happens, the only people charged classified as black. But that's tomorrow, normal time, 8 p.m. Eastern. Excuse me, normal time, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific for the compensatory call-in. All of that said, sobriety would be best. Lots of folks talked about lots of different unsafe conditions and white supremacy terrorism. Being under the influence will not help us solve any of these problems. Uh, in addition to being sober, 
hey, you just heard. You go out and about. Be alert. Be aware about what is happening around you. You have no idea if it's Nolan Levi Strauss ready to chop your head off. You have no idea if Nolan Levi Strauss actually has an entire entourage with him ready to do some killing, especially black people, because he said he didn't like black people. If you didn't leave your residence prepared to kill and or die right now, exit. You are super alert. And then if you get man, I think they did something to this sandwich. Man, this dude in the corner looks I'm out of here. Exit. All of that said, if you're in a vehicle, you are super alert as well. You are not on the cell phone. We need all of our attention and we're trying to minimize contact with race soldiers. You are buckled up. Eyes on the road. That said, creator, we ask that you help us remain patient with other black people, victims of white supremacy. We ask that you help us remain patient with ourselves remind us to demonstrate the highest levels of black self-respect at all times in all places each and every time we are in contact with another black person it has been time replace white supremacy with justice immediately cow signing out thanks all for tuning in no name calling no gossiping Nigga, you so brainwashed. I'm a victim, Your brother. Problem. You're a victim. Man, I'm a up. victim of 400 years of conditioning. Shut up. The man has programmed my conditioning. Mm-hmm. Even my conditioning has been conditioned. <laughs> Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.